kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? This evening uh, with me tonight is Miss Margot Gardner and her lovely dog, Angel, who apparently likes to hang out in the window. How are you this evening, Margot? <laughs> I'm fine. Buttons and Tango say welcome us to the show, too. <laughs> <laughs> and the the bubbly and vivacious Miss Jeannie Kay. How are you? Hi, How are you I'm, I am the destroyer of dreams today. <laughs> And the very best producer that money can't buy, uh, the unpaid technical person who just got threatened for a sound issue. Barry, how are you tonight, Barry? I'm fine. Avoiding giant ducks. (laughs) (laughs) So so the news has been um, depressing and disturbing, unless you're in Russia. And then, uh, good Lord, what the hell is wrong with those people? You know, BSP does this thing late night on um, Vape TV, and mm-hmm. part of this late night segment is called Meth. And it's not really about meth, it's just about really freaking stupid shit that goes on. I sent him the link to that Russia story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, there was a woman uh, in Russia who played a bunch of Pokemon Go and went to bed. And when she awoke, she swore up and down that a Pokemon was raping her. So she called for her husband. Her husband said, uh, you need to go see a psychiatrist. Um, so because he didn't believe her, she called the cops. And the cops offered her the same remedy, oddly enough. Um, and my, my, my further action on this would be, that's not what the vibrate function on your phone is for. <laughs> She's like, it's still here. I'm like, oh, yeah. You, you, that's a person who needs to not have their damn phone. I'm sorry. I, yeah. That's that's slipping way too far into, you know, what? Yeah, the there's definitely world. a psychiatric issue going on there. Yeah. A psychiatric issue. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't or know. Beat something in her vodka. God. Yeah. Uh, or she's distilling her own vodka in the bathroom using, you know. There, there is a yeah. problem in Eastern Europe, certainly, with um, them diluting good vodka with wood alcohol. Oh. Uh, this might be to do with that. You never know. <laughs> That's terrifying because, you know, wood alcohol is really, really bad for you. It's ethanol. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, not to be confused for synthahol. No. <clears throat> Which apparently Sorry. exists. Yeah. Yes, it apparently exists and is not being approved because why should you be able to go out and have a few and have a good time and not have a hangover the next day? Yeah. Ridiculous. Because it's not quitting alcohol. Yeah. Well, it's not quitting alcohol. It's not quitting breathing pure air. It's it's not. It's yeah, you're, not, it's, it's not. enjoyment. You're not allowed enjoyment. <laughs> And if you do have enjoyment, you have to pay for it afterwards. Um, speaking of fat asses, um, I really think Glance needs to get a hold of himself. He's really starting to sound like an Alex Jones wannabe. His hands aren't, this... Nobody's hands are big enough for him to get a hold of himself. Oh, himself. Well, Jan, did you, did you hear my show Thursday? No. Um, Not yet. Not I... yet. I'm waiting for it to be uploaded, so by next Wednesday I should be able to hear it. Well, yeah, that's true. But um, So here's what happened. Um, you know, uh, regulatorwatch.com? Yeah, yes. Okay, Brent Stafford puts out all kinds of really awesome content, right? So uh, his latest video, I really liked it, and I sent him a message and asked if I could play it on my podcast. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he said, yeah, sure, go ahead, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so I played this thing, right? And I'm gushing, gushing, gushing over this guy because I really think what he does is fantastic. Right. Um and and Niagara Kayaker, Sean Casey, the president of Flavor North America, he calls me and says, hey, Jeannie, um, just so happens I have him on my friends list. Um, I can call him into the show if you'd like. So I got to talk to him. So anyway, long story short, he has just done a two-part series where he interviewed the fucking douchebag rocket mechanic. No shit. Yes. Yes, it's going to be in two parts. So the first part should be coming out this week, and then the second part should be coming out the week after that, something like that. But really look for it, because he said it will probably really give you some surprises. We're still going to want to throttle him. He's still an asshole. He's still completely against us. But So I'm, I'm really excited about hearing that. But anyway, I just wanted to tell you, somebody actually got that dumbass to do <laughs> an interview for us. Oh, I want to see him become part of this stuff they've got in California where they're regulating cow farts. Um, <laughs> let, let's hook him up to one of those blue bags and see if he can fuel a few homes. <laughs> but, but it's not really that sort of gas. He's more hot air. But it'd work as, just as well because he'd end up yeah, possibly floating thing. away I eventually. I up to a cow fart bag. Oh my god! You realize this is going to be the only show that's ever talked about cow fart bags. <laughs> hey, hey, um, hi, and welcome to the actually really, really happy portion of the show. The rest of the show will not be like that. Uh, sorry to say. Got to start hey. with a smile. You have to, yeah, because the rest of the shit will make you nuts. Jeannie, pick one. Uh, wh wait, what? What the hell? 
Um, well, you know I'm going with the, the 3D printer. Okay. I said we would do an update on Defense Distributed, and we're going to do an update on Defense Distributed. We, we talked about this, and we said this boy was going to go to jail. That's not what happened. Court. With 3D printer gun files, national security interests, Trump's free speech. Oh, speaking of Trump, ugh, tonight's the horrible, horrible debates. Kill me. In defense distributed, the Department of State, the government wins this round. A federal appeals court ruled Thursday against Defense Distributed, the Texas organization that promotes 3D printed guns, in a lawsuit that it bought last year against the State Department. In a two-to-one decision, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals was not persuaded that Defense Distributed right to free speech under the First Amendment outweighs national security concerns. The majority concluded, ordinarily, of course, the protection of constitutional rights would be the highest public interest at case at issue in a case. That is not necessarily true here. However, because the State Department has asserted a very strong public interest in national defense and national security, indeed, the State Department stated interest in preventing foreign nationals, including all manner of enemies of this country, from obtaining technical data on how to produce weapons and weapon parts is not merely, merely tangent, tangentially related to national defense and national security. It lies squarely within that interest. Go to YouTube. There are plenty of videos that will show you how to make a gun out of a fucking nail gun or a hundred other things. Just saying. As ours reported in February 2016, the lawsuit, Defense Distributed v. Department of State, centers on whether a website that publishes CAD files, which would enable foreigners outside the U.S. to print a firearm, violates munition export laws. Fearing a possible lawsuit by the State Department or prosecution by the government, Defense Distributed took the files down three years ago, but they have since reappeared on BitTorrent sites. Previously, at the district court level, Defense Distributed filed a motion for a preliminary injunction, which would have allowed it to restore the files and even publish new ones. The appeal was meant to challenge the denial of those preliminary injunctions. Under the Fifth Circuit Court order, Defense Distributed will now be remanded or sent back down to the district court for further consideration. Defense Distributed could further appeal and ask the Fifth Circuit for an en blanc rehearing of the case, which would be before all the judges rather than the normal three-judge panel. Um, the federal civil suit originated three years ago when Cody Wilson and his group Defense Distributed published online design, uh, designs for the Liberator, the world's <coughs> first 3D printed handgun. Within months, Defense Distributed received a letter from the United States Department of State's Office of Defense Trade and Controls Compliance stating that 10 files, including the designs of the Liberator, were in violation of the international traffic and arm regulations. Uh, this letter came despite the fact the files had already been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times and continued to circulate online. Defense Distributed then resubmitted a commodity jurisdiction request to the Department of State, which they hoped would clear the way for production of the files. After waiting for two years, Defense Distributed, along with the Second Amendment Foundation, sued the Department of State and argued that the government's action constituted prior restraint preventing publication before it occurs. In the United States, the Supreme Court has generally rejected the concept of prior restraint. However, one member of the Fifth Circuit District Judge Edith Jones distinctly disagreed with her colleagues. In a scathing dissent, she called it an irrational representation of export regulations. She also described the government's actions as pure content-based regulation. She wrote, in sum, it is not clear at all that the State Department has any concerns for the First Amendment rights of the American public and press. 
Indeed, the State Department turns freedom of speech on its head by asserting the possibility that an internet site could also be used to distribute technical data domestically does not alter the analysis. The government bears the burden to show that regulation is narrowly tailored to suit a compelling interest. It is not the public's burden to prove their right to discuss lawful, non-classified, non-restricted technical data. And, of course, Cody Wilson didn't respond to Ars Technica when they asked him for a comment, which is really sad. So, yeah, they'll trump all of, they'll tap dance all over all of your amendments if it goes against national security. Thoughts? Anybody? It's after, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It's like, that's a thought. It's like the anarchist cookbook. Okay. Which version? Exactly. (laughs) They're out there. And there's, there is no stopping it now. Now it is just absolute. It's, it's like this lawsuit is like the TSA. It's fucking security theater. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the federal government trying to, trying to intimidate anybody that has a free thought that is different from what they want people to think. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh, it absolutely makes sense. Hey, I live in this country. I get it. <laughs> Margo? <sighs> New planet. Very. It's almost as if the judges think nowhere but the USA makes guns. <laughs> that and the fact that, yeah, this guy had to pull his plans off the internet. Uh, mm-hmm. But the guy who designed a rail gun that's 3D printed, no, no, that's <laughs> that's still freely available. Which well, do you think's it- more dangerous? I think a railgun access. I think I think I'd like a railgun actually. Uh, now that I know it's three D printable. Yeah, there's um, a guy I'm designed one. Manu- I'm just going to manufacture a bunch of them just because I can. I'm kidding. Okay, okay. They don't fire as fast as a full spec railgun, but still fast enough to kill something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is the whole point of a gun, after all. But yeah, he's not well, being bothered by these people. It's just the guy well, who printed a pistol. Well, I mean, like I said, go to YouTube and search homemade guns. Yeah, exactly. all, you, all you basically need is a pipe, a nail, and a spring. Mm-hmm. Yep. You got a it gun. Is not, it is not a great technical marvel. Anyone yeah. can make one. I can make one. And my soldering looks like I do it with a butter knife. So that, that should tell you what my technical skills are like. But even I could make one no skills required and yet my husband's a gunsmith Jeannie's dad was a gunsmith i mean if if you think there's my father two different people yeah your father sorry um my husband your dad two different people but i'm just saying you know it's it's inconceivable that people think it's this big technical thing you want to make something rudimentary you can correct oh you can but i mean and you got to look at this and here's the thing that they they just don't want to discuss. Mm-hmm. Most of the time when horrible evil things have happened in the world lately, they have not involved firearms. Those those are a a small percent of the horrible evil shit that that goes on now. Yeah, I think the rental trucks just need to be completely banned. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I go, I 
I, I go with the, 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 a particular Irish character in the motion picture Sin City. Ah, can't be doing with those little bang bangs. <laughs> <laughs> you know. The guy, the guy commenting on handguns. He's, yeah. He <laughs> yeah. Now he was just into blowing shit up. Yeah. And he did a bang up job of it. Um, yeah, might as well ban fertilizer. Oh, and folks, if, if, are if, good too. if you're really interested, folks, uh, GearBest, well known to many vapors, now have mm -hmm. really quite cheap 3D printers and milling machines. If if you want to do home stuff. Yeah, we're we're not advocating and telling you no. that you should buy a 3D printer to go print yourself a gun or rail. Yeah, gun. I wouldn't use one of the cheap ones from GearBest to, to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I well, I I guess we could talk about yellow cake. That's always fun. Yeah, yellow cake's <laughs> always fun. Yeah. <laughs> they must hate this podcast. I'm just saying. Listening well, to as long as you don't thing. start about throwing it together in hemisphere shapes, it's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, Margo, pick one. I kind of like the two-year-old kid who's already got a record. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our... This is ridiculous um, to the extreme. Two-year-old cited for littering in Washington, D.C. Harper Westover, age two, has never run afoul of the government before. The Paw Patrol fanatic lives in northeast Washington with her parents, who insist she's just the tidiest, most polite, and well-behaved toddler in the nation's capital. They call her Harpy, sometimes lovely, lovey. But to officials at the city's Department of Public Works, Harpy is known by another name, etched in capital letters on D.C. government letterhead, Violator. On Thursday, she received in the mail a notice of violation reporting that she was being fined $75 for allegedly littering at the end of the alley by her home on 9th Street Northeast. Officials included evidence of a discarded envelope a city worker had found with a pile of trash in the alley. Exhibit A against Harpy the Violator was a photograph of that unopened envelope addressed to her from Bucky's Buddies, a kids club for fans of the University of Wisconsin at Madison, the alma mater of her mother, Teresa. A simple clerical error, right? Another tale to add to the city's bulging sad sack of stories about bureaucratic dysfunction? On Friday, Westover, an attorney for the National Labor Relations Board, called the solid waste inspector who issued the ticket certain her daughter would be quickly absolved. She argued that her toddler did not haul a trash bag or carry her Bucky Buddies envelope to the end of the alley. Besides, Westover told the inspector, her daughter is two. Could the Department of Public Works kindly rescind the fine? The inspector's response was that there was a piece of trash in the alley with Harper's name on it. I said, I understand that, but she's only two years old. Are you willing to rescind the ticket? She said, no, Westover recalled. They list Harper, <clears throat> excuse me, they list Harper as a violator. As a mom, it bothered me. The Westovers were actually given two tickets, one in Harper's name, the other in Teresa's, each for $75, because a piece of mail was addressed to the mother was also found. Westover said there's no way anyone in her family littered. Every week, she or her husband leave a trash bin outside their home in the alley for garbage pickup. Since a collection truck can't squeeze into the back street, an advanced team swings by, pulls out the trash bags from everyone's bins, and carries them down the alley to toss them in the waiting truck. Maybe, Westover wondered, a garbage man accidentally left the bag behind. Regardless, the Westovers say they aren't litter bugs, and there was no proof they were. They took their protest online. 
took Westover snapped a picture of his daughter's violation notice and sent it to the popular Popville blog, which published it under the headline, Today in Has the World Gone Mad? Two-year-old issued littering citation in NE. Readers came to Harper's defense. I'm glad we're not letting these young punks get away with this kind of antisocial behavior, someone wrote. Garnishing her allowance for the next three years will teach her an important lesson. Another wondered wondered how it was fair for the city to presume someone had littered simply because the trash was found with mail addressed to the supposed scuffball. This is idiotic. What this is basically saying is that if a USPS worker accidentally dropped or purposely threw your mail on the ground, you are responsible for littering. Or if a thief stole a package and threw the packaging on the ground. Or if a truck driver dropped some trash containing something with your name on it. Chuck Westover, the founder of a digital marketing company, tweeted the Popville link and wrote, this is my daughter, not cool, at DCDPW, adding Free Harper. The inspector who issued the ticket, Cheryl Satchel, did not return a phone call left for her on Friday. Zy Richardson, the director of the communications office, the department's communications office, said late Friday that the uproar had, she had seen the uproar online, but needed to investigate the matter more thoroughly. Then Richard called, Richardson called Teresa Westover and told her, that if she submitted proof that her child was in fact two years old, then the $75 notice would be rescinded. I have to send them a birth certificate, Teresa Westover said. I shouldn't have had to wait for someone in the communications department to call me before common sense takes place. Early Friday evening, a public works official swung by the Westover row house and saw Harper and her mother in the alley getting ready for an interview with the local news station. The official looked at Harper, jokingly calling her the two-year-old violator, according to Teresa Westover. Then he said he would waive both Harper and her mother's violations. The making a litterbug drama was officially over. In a telephone interview with the Washington Post, Harper, fresh from an afternoon nap, insisted she was innocent. <laughs> but when pressed for more details about her whereabouts at the time of the alleged offense on August 24th at 11.06 a.m., wrongly accused litterbug laughed, hide and seek was all she said. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to bureaucracy. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of speechless genie. You know, I understand littering and and backstory. Um there there's a road that led out of Shingle House. Well, it still does lead out of Shingle House. I've just not <laughs> on it. Um and it's called the Doug Road. It's on the edge of this hill and whatever. Okay. So we have people that go around and do the roadside cleanup. Pick up all the bags of trash and whatever, and blah, 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 blah. Now, the, the same family um, picked up this road, and they constantly found multiple bags of trash in the same spot down over the guardrails. And every time they opened up the same complete garbage bags full of trash, they found the same person's name and address in there. Okay. And these people... Constantly said, we don't have any idea how it got there. Well, those people should have been charged with litter. They were taking their entire kitchen garbage bags and tossing them over the guardrail somewhere. This was not that case. The, I mean, she's she's a little itty bitty. She's tiny, isn't she? Freaking ridiculous. Two year old felon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the sending the birth certificate is proof. Yeah, sending it attached to a diaper. Uh, <laughs> here is work. proof she is too. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I mean, 
the the amount of laws we have in this country are just kind of crazy. Although um, some of my favorites are the ones you have in the UK. Um, and ours are just as bad, you know, people carrying ice cream cones in their back pocket, not being able to dance with an elephant in the middle of the street on a Sunday. I mean, some of these laws are insane because they're old, but this is just insane because it's persecuting people for something they might not have done. You know, um, and I, I used to work, I used to work as a street sweeper. And if you found rubbish in the street, you used to just clean it up. But they now have, when I when I was working there, they have these people called community wardens. Uh, these people are basically people in high-vis jackets with not a lot to do. Because what they do is go around the streets, and if they see lots of discarded stuff in one place, they are supposed to investigate it, right? Which is mm-hmm. where this story comes in. And, you know, they, they look through the garbage until they find stuff with somebody's name on it. Then they'll go and talk to that person and try and stick them with a fine. That's basically all they do all day. (laughs) (laughs) Walk around trying to get fines on people. And it's just ridiculous. Um, When I was working as a traffic warden in Edinburgh, one of the most hated jobs in Edinburgh, we used to wander about in a normal uniform. Their litter wardens walk about with stab vests on. <laughs> which tells you the level of hate towards these assholes. <laughs> oh my it's God. like, you know, the guy who's giving parking tickets, yeah, he get he gets hit and sworn at all the time. That's fine. But the guy doing the litter stuff, he's got to wear a stab vest. <laughs> I, think, I think people <laughs> They're that don't bad, take, you know. Well, people don't take kindly to being accused of something they might not have done. Yeah. I mean... With the amount of video surveillance in the United Kingdom, I mean, you'd think someone would have it on CCTV when someone acts up. Oh, quite often, yeah. down who violated their laws. But um, here, I don't know. The big one here, of course, at the minute is cigarette ends. People yeah. getting £50 fine for dropping a cigarette end because it's literally... I saw, I saw, what, a 75-year-old man who owns a used bookstore... Margot, I think you saw the story too. Um, it was he, his own shop. Mm-hmm. He was smoking outside his shop, and he put his cigarette out, but he discarded it into the grate that went into the basement of his shop, so he could clean it up when he went inside. Mm-hmm. And somebody saw him do it, and they find him. They find him a lot of money for it, and it's like really. It's the man's own shop. He's going to clean it up. It's, it's not, not like littering it. if it's your own property. Yeah, well... It's as simple was... as that. A decent lawyer should be able to get him off that one easy. Well, but I'm then sure... he's got to spend the money on the attorney and it's I his know. own shop. Yep, I agree. Yes, it's I insane, agree. but that's how bureaucracy works. It runs on insanity. Uh... You know, um, I really didn't like the uh, movie um, Venus Ascending. But if you ever want to see bureaucracy at work, Jupiter Venus, ascending. Jupiter ascending. Sorry, um, that's a good film to watch to get a good feel for what bureaucracy looks like. Or Brazil. Oh, I don't know. I loved Brazil. Yeah, but it's basically about the idiocy of bureaucracy. You know, well, the, yes. The guy's name idiocy. gets spelt wrong, so the wrong guy gets killed. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> The idiocy of the people in charge, which, yeah. you know, 
if they've got experts in charge of everything, are the experts idiots? I mean, I think so. Either yeah. they're idiots, they're either idiots or they're making everything illegal so that they're they can do their typical rent seek. Well, I mean, the world is completely full of stupid, smart people. That's what I call mm -hmm. them. I I know people who have multiple PhDs who mm -hmm. can't make toast successfully. <laughs> stupid, smart people. Just because yep. they're an expert in one thing doesn't mean they've got a. A, a decent connection to reality. Uh. <laughs> well, a, a perfect example would be someone who was once an airline mechanic who becomes a heart doctor. Yeah, imagine that. And a leader in tobacco control because he's such a great PhD. And a, a leader in the hunting down of the people involved in the sugar cover-up. He just sounds more batshit every year. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. The, the cover-up that wasn't a cover-up because it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's okay. He put it he, on his He made his it up anyway, yeah, yeah. He put it on his website and he called it a conspiracy, so it must be one. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the people exposing the idiocy of that conspiracy. Yeah, I mean, some of the, some of the articles on it have been hilarious. It's like, oh, it's a conspiracy, so... All the evidence you found were in public documents. Wasn't really a very good conspiracy then, was it? It was all done completely in the open, in public. It was a conspiracy. Yes. Really? That's, yeah. that's the definition of conspiracy. Yeah. To yeah, everybody knew about it at the time, so it was a conspiracy. Huh? <laughs> no, that's not how it works. Yeah. Very Trying to cover it up, that's, that's a conspiracy. That nobody tried to cover it up. Because everybody knew about it, and yes, well, you're you're using reason and logic. When I look at Stanton Glance, I take reason and logic and throw them completely out the window, and then I'm facing a man I can understand. Um, Barry, do you want to pick one? Oh, go with a bank robber. Okay, we're getting all the fun ones out of the way early, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, second and third hour might not be quite this fun. Okay. Um, what you don't understand is I'm going through like 74 pages of notes here to get to it. Okay. Uh, FBI says man robbed bank because he'd rather go to jail than be home with his wife. A federal complaint filed Tuesday in Kansas City, Kansas, provides details of a rather bizarre bank robbery allegedly committed by a man on September 2nd, 2016. According to the complaint obtained by lawnews.com, surveillance video showed a man identified as Lawrence John Ripple walk into a bank in downtown Kansas City, Kansas, and present a note to the teller demanding money. The note was recovered by investigators and said, I have a gun, give me all your cash. In the teller told investigators she complied and handed over $2,924 in cash. Strangely, bank employees told investigators that Ripple did not attempt to make a getaway. Instead, an FBI agent said surveillance radio showed Ripple walk from the teller's desk to a lobby area still inside the bank. A bank security guard told investigators when he approached him, Ripple said he was the guy he was looking for. The security guard then detained Ripple until police and federal agents arrived on scene. A search revealed Ripple was still in possession of the $2,924. Mm -hmm. 
He was arrested and taken to the police station to be interviewed. FBI Special Agent Eric Belts described the interview and the complaint as followed. During the post-Miranda interview, Ripple relayed that he and his wife had an argument at home and Ripple no longer wanted to be in the situation. Ripple wrote out his demand note in front of his wife, Romito's Ripple, and told her he'd rather be in jail than at home. Ripple then walked to the bank and robbed it. Yep, the FBI says Ripple no longer wanted to live at home with his wife, so he apparently decided robbing a bank would be the quickest way to go to jail. <laughs> and that's what happens in this neck of the woods. <laughs> Much respect to the... Was in Florida? No. No, it wasn't in Florida. Why, why does everybody think everything fucked up happens in Florida? I post something and everything. Jen, I got to tell you, a lot of really fucked up shit happens in Florida. Yeah, but not everything fucked up happens here. I mean, we don't have Pokemon models. Not everything, just a lot. I'm just saying. <laughs> just, just a lot. It's really, I think, I think, the, I think it's the heat. I think maybe it's the heat that, that scrambles some people's cognitive thought process. It's a good thing you work in an air conditioning building most of the day. I don't know that it's that, but uh, yeah, no, we, we have some strange shit here, but yeah. No, it's not just the heat. I, I blame the gators. Yeah, they're obviously up to something. Yeah. That and everybody's got this, this thing in the back of their head that their house could disappear into a single... Oh no, it's the alligator farts. <laughs> There's something in the water. <laughs> you know, just because I live down here doesn't mean that I'm crazy too. Um, I'm I'm just as in well. Yeah, it's storming out. So if I fade in and out or sound very delicky, um, it's because there's a storm right over me. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty fucked up here. You know, we have sinkholes open, and then you know. I, you're absolutely right about the water. They said what twenty thousand gallons of radioactive water linked into leaked into our aquifer after the last sinkhole opened. Lovely, yeah. Yeah, that's what you like. That's what six, you like. Six foot mosquitoes next year. Yeah. <laughs> you brought that up. So can I ask something? Sure, because sure. you know this is just me and my my whole tinfoil hat thing. Mm-hmm. But have you noticed that? when the political focus um, got geared up for green energy mm-hmm. that all of these stories are coming out about gasoline and oil pipelines and, and toxic runoff and all this other stuff. Have you noticed the uptick in those since we went to this green energy focus? Well, yeah, of course. I, I think I've noticed it. Um, and we've talked about the incestuous relationship between the press and the government before. Um, in fact, uh, there, and have I talked about this in the last year? Probably not. Okay, so there's this office in Washington, D.C. that all they do is they write and they shoot press packages to give to your evening news. Okay, that's all they do all day long. So has anybody seen the Conan O'Brien things where they talk about like Easter eggs or just wacky stuff like that? Oh yeah. The part where he plays different clips from different media outlets and it's all the same freaking story. Yeah. Yeah. All of that is government released news. 
they basically tell people what to say, what to put into print. That's why I don't watch television news because it's not reliable. I mean, not that, not that print news is any better. I mean, I read a lot of Intercept. I read a lot. Anything I put in here, if I can't find proof of it elsewhere and I can't find another view on it, I don't tell you about it. It, it will sit and we won't talk about it until I can find another side and see which side makes more sense logically before we talk about it. I don't just randomly pick this shit out. It takes, it takes a long time to research. Um, and that's because of the great distrust that I have for the media. And it's because of things like prepackaged government news. It's a problem. It's a real problem. And so if you notice an uptick in interest in a certain story coincides with certain things, you're not crazy. I mean, didn't you notice right before the FDA regs hit, not now I'm going to don my tinfoil hat too so I can sound all crazy nutty too, but didn't you notice that when all the stories about the children, it's for the children, started happening, all the kids were using all these e-cigs and it was so dangerous? Did anybody Don't notice that? that well, I'm just, I'm just I'm not serious. Everybody, everybody knows. Oh, yeah, it's, been, it's been like that. I mean, that... When they decided to come out against us, everything mm-hmm. was nice and quiet until we all got vocal and we started yelling and screaming from the rooftops. Then it 100% kicked in that it was save the children. Yeah. Isn't there a saying about that, Barry? Uh, about the way legislators use children um i don't know probably well <laughs> i mean if you, it's, it's it's when they want to 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 push a point that they know they don't have real evidence for mm-hmm. they start it's with always, think of the children yeah think of the children in fear and scare it's scary we fear for the children no children shouldn't just nicotine it, they could have a horrible future we're afraid the fda regulations were based on fear if you believe these news stories. Well, well, anything that includes think, anything that fear. includes think of the children usually includes lots of those catchy words: could, should, might, maybe, possibly. Mm-hmm. But when has never fact? <laughs> right. What I'm saying: how many times has regulation been based on fear? So you have what marijuana prohibition was based on fear, right? It was based on fear and race relations. Okay. I mean, it was also based on some DuPont stuff, and there's some other history in there that's very ugly as well. Um, But we know the way it was sold to the public. It was sold and propagandized as being a race relations thing. That all our women were going to get raped by people who were high on marijuana, who thought they were just as good as the white people. Which Um, which absolutely kills me, because apparently these people have never been around anybody that's stoned they got the energy to get up off of their fucking couch and go get a bag (laughs) of chips yeah well but that's not how it was sold to the public and the public ate it up because it was fear mongering right fear sells Mm -hmm. fear does sell fear sells but fear also makes things palatable that aren't normally palatable um The Patriot Act 
had anybody read the Patriot Act after 9-11, they never would have allowed their, their <laughs> duly bound representatives to pass it. They would have been all over them for infringing on their civil liberties and tearing up their rights and everything. But, but that no, can't I really don't think they would have um, because, and, and here is just, you know, my two cents. They, um, they, they sell a lot of this stuff based on fear alone. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and in the Patriot Act, I mean, it, they sold that thing to people under the guise of this is how we will keep you safe. Not, not anything else, but this is how we will keep you safe. And if, and if you're an honest citizen, you have nothing to fear from this it <laughs> will keep you safe and so people didn't give a fuck you know I, I don't know about that i think there are people who still gave a shit but they never let us see this stuff i mean and let's let's for instance talk about transparency we were promised transparency by this government uh. have, you gotten, have you gotten transparency from this administration because I haven't um, there I saw a story and I didn't put it in here I should have there's something like 3,000 and one FOIA lawsuits against the federal government they don't know how much money each and every department of the government has spent trying to fend these lawsuits off because they go in as a request and if they don't get answered within the allotted time period, they then become a lawsuit if people want to take it that far. And that's been happening more and more lately. I don't notice that I've gotten any transparency. And I think it's... Oh, I'm, I'm, mm, I was about to go off into Ms. Clinton territory and I... Well, and really then they say, her, her. but it, this is a matter of national security. We can't tell you right now. Come back in five years. Mm -hmm. So we're five years down the road. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, we need some more time. We got it. We got to have some, just, just, just give us just a little more time, say another five years. It's just... I get transparency when I look out my window. <laughs> That's because you clean your own windows, Marco. That's why you've exactly. got transparency. Government if transparency you're... is a bricked up window. I was going to say government transparency is black paint over your windows, but yours is better. If they could wall you up inside your house and never have to hear from you, they'd Pro Probably with lead lighting as well, just in case you get an x-ray camera. <laughs> and God. a blackout shade so you don't see the brick wall. <laughs> I'm just I'm saying. I'm being cheerful today. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this isn't bad. This isn't bad because I haven't even talked about about. We haven't even talked about police at all this evening. Well, that's because Margo's here, and not only do you have my random outburst of, hey, make you laugh, you have hers too. So, see, at least we keep you cheerful with all of this depressing, fucked up shit. Well, it's depressing and fucked up shit. I'm picking one. Feds, we can read all your email and you'll never know. That's my cheerful pick. Oh, <laughs> cheerful. Fuck. It I didn't go into the cops planting evidence on somebody, did I? 
because I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that. I mean, I will because I feel like I have to, but I don't want to talk about it. But we always talk about the federal government um, snooping into your duly Fourth Amendment protected rights. And tonight's no different than, that, than any other night. Feds, we can read all your email and you'll never know. There are hackers reading private emails in cloud-based systems like Microsoft Outlook Gmail or Yahoo has recently sent regular people and public officials scrambling to delete entire accounts full of messages dating back years, Hillary Clinton. What we don't expect is our own government to hack our email, but it's happening. Federal court cases going on right now are revealing that federal officials can read all your email without your knowledge. As a scholar and a lawyer who started researching and writing about the history and meaning of the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution more than 30 years ago, I immediately saw how the FBI versus Apple controversy earlier this year was bringing the founders' fight for liberty into the 21st century. My study of that legal battle caused me to dig into the federal government's actual practices for getting email from cloud accounts and cell phones, causing me to worry that our basic liberties are threatened. They're threatened? <clears throat> a new type of government search. The federal government is getting access to the contents of entire email accounts by using an ancient procedure, the search warrant, with a new sinister twist, secret court proceedings. The earliest search warrants had very limited purpose, authorizing entry into private premises to find and recover stolen goods. During the era of the American Revolution, British authorities abused this power to conduct dragnet searches of colonial homes and to seize people's private papers looking for evidence of political resistance. To prevent the new federal government from engaging in that sort of tyranny, special controls over search warrants were written into the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. But these constitutional provisions are failing to protect our personal documents if they are stored in the cloud or on our smartphones. Fortunately, the government's efforts are finally being made public thanks to legal battles taken up by Apple, Microsoft, and other major companies. But the feds are fighting back using even more subversive legal tactics, searching in secret. To get these warrants in the first place, the feds are using the Electronic Communications Privacy Act passed in 1986, long before widespread use of cloud-based emails and smartphones. The law allows the government to use a warrant to get electronic communications from the company providing the service rather than the true owner of the email account, the person who uses it. And the government then usually asks that the warrant be sealed, which means it won't appear in public records and will be hidden from you. Even worse, the law lets the government get what, it, what is called a gag order, a court ruling preventing the company from telling you it got a warrant for your email. You might never know that the government has been reading all of your email, or you might find out when you get charged with crime based on your messages. Microsoft There's your said. transparency. <laughs> yes. Microsoft steps up. Much was written about Apple's successful fight earlier this year to prevent the FBI from forcing the company to break the iPhone security system. But relatively little notice has come to a similar Microsoft effort on behalf of customers that began in April 2016. The company's suit argues that search warrants delivered to Microsoft for customers' emails are violating people's constitutional rights. It also argued that being gagged violates Microsoft's own First Amendment rights. Microsoft's suit filed in Seattle says that over the course of 20 months in 2015 and 2016, it received more than 3,000 gag orders and that more than two-thirds of the gag orders were effectively permanent because they did not include end dates. Court documents supporting Microsoft described thousands more gag orders issued against Google, Yahoo, Twitter, and other companies. 
Remarkably, three former chief federal prosecutors who collectively had the authority for the Seattle region for every year from 1989 to 2009 and the retired head of the FBI Seattle office have also joined forces to support Microsoft's position. Feds get everything. It's very difficult to get a copy of one of these search warrants thanks to order sealing files and gagging companies. But in another Microsoft lawsuit against the government, a redacted warrant was made part of the court record. It shows how the government asks for and receives the power to look at a person's email. On the first page of the warrant, the cloud-based email account is clearly treated as a premises controlled by Microsoft and not by the email account owner. An application by a federal law enforcement officer or attorney for the government requests search of the following property located in the Western District of Washington on the premises of known and described as the email account redacted at msn.com, which is controlled by Microsoft Cooperation. The Fourth Amendment requires that a search warrant must particularly describe the things to be seized and there must be probable cause based on sworn testimony that those particular things are evidence of a crime. But this warrant orders Microsoft to turn over the contents of all emails stored in the account, including copies of emails sent from the account. From the day the account was opened to the date of the warrant, everything must be handed over to the feds, reading all of it. In warrants like this, the government is deliberately not limiting itself to the constitutionally required particular description of the messages it's looking for. To get away with this, it tells judges that incriminating emails can be hard to find, maybe even hidden with misleading names, dates, and file attachments, so their computer forensic experts need access to the whole database to work their magic. If the government were serious about obeying the Constitution, when it asks for an entire email account, it would at least write into the warrant limits on its forensic analysis, so only emails that are evidence of a crime could be viewed. But this Microsoft warrant says unspecified variety of techniques may be employed to search the seized emails, including emails by e-view review. Okay, I'm sorry, email by email review. As I explained in a forthcoming paper, there's good reason to suspect the type of warrant is the government's usual approach, not exception. Formal federal computer crimes prosecutor Paul Ohm says every federal computer search warrant lacks the required particularity. Another former prosecutor, Orrin Kerr, who wrote the first edition of the federal manual on searching computers, agrees. Everything can be seized. Everything can be searched. Even some federal judges are calling attention to the problem, putting into print their objections into signing such warrants. But unfortunately, most judges seem too willing to go along. What happens next? If Microsoft wins, then citizens will have the chance to see those search warrants and challenge the ways they violate the Constitution. But the government has come up with a clever and sinister argument for throwing the case out of court before it even gets started. The government has asked the judge to, in the case against Microsoft, to rule that Microsoft has no legal right to raise constitutional rights of its customers. Anticipating this move, the American Civil Liberties Union asked to join the lawsuit, saying it uses Outlook and wants notice if Microsoft were served with warrants for its email. The government's response, the ACLU has no right to sue because it can't prove there has been or will be a search warrant for its email. Of course, the point of the lawsuit is to protect citizens who can't prove they are subject to a search warrant because of the secrecy in the whole thing. The government's position is that no one in America has the legal right to challenge the way prosecutors are using the law. Far from the only risk. The government is taking a similar approach to smartphone data. For example, in the case of U.S. v. Varello, Pending in Newark, New Jersey, the government used a search warrant to download the entire contents of a lawyer's personal cell phone, more than 90,000 items, including text messages, emails, contact lists, and photos. 
When the phone's owner complained to a judge, the government argued it could look at everything except for privileged lawyer-client communication before the court even instituted a ruling. The federal prosecutor for New Jersey, Paul Fishman, has gone even further, telling the judge that the government has cloned the cell phone. It gets to keep the copies it has of all 90,000 items, even if the judge ruled the cell phone search violated the Constitution. Where does this leave us all now? The judge in Ravello is expected to issue a preliminary ruling on the Fed's argument sometime in October. The government will be filing a final brief on its motion to dismiss the Microsoft case September 23rd. All Americans should be watching carefully to what happens next in these cases. The government may already be watching you without your knowledge. So that wasn't nearly as bad as most. transparency. <laughs> I was going to say, that's not usually, that's not even half as bad as the stuff I normally read. Yeah, you're right. The it's transparency just a warm and fuzzy. <laughs> think you were supposed to <laughs> but yeah so as you can see when it comes to the government they basically rule by you know south park cartman law respect my authority i will do what i want that's normally how governments do this yeah i know i know but it still bothers me i mean yeah. doesn't it bother you yeah of course it does um they think they're exempt from law, basically. Uh, and, and if you call them on it, they try and twist law to suit their own ends. Mm -hmm. And that's it's basically what lawyers are paid power. for. So, yeah. yeah. I don't think I could be a lawyer. Lawyers basically go to school for three to five years to read. I don't know. Have you? <laughs> Jeffrey read? Um, Jeannie, did you read your mortgage document? Has anybody, anybody ever read thing? I um when we, I don't have one, but <laughs> well, when I did, right. yeah, it's like forty-four fucking pages. Forty-four? Wow. When we got ours, it was three hundred and fifty pages. And um one of the fun things about this book that they give you is they tell you that you're supposed to read it. Um and you have to bring a lawyer with you. So they can summarize it for you because it's almost written in a language that no normal human being can understand. Like reading that shit will give you an aneurysm or something. It's, it's that bad. It, nobody on this planet understands that language except lawyers. And, um, you know, of course, language like that can be manipulated. Um, I think everybody remembers after the banking fiasco, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, all that stuff, all those people that lost their homes. Okay. Well, I mean, you do know that they tried to sue the government quite unsuccessfully. Uh -huh. And do you, know, do you know what the government's reasoning was? They Can didn't read the fine print. They didn't read their mortgage. It's your mm -hmm. own fault if you don't read your mortgage. So why, I guess the lesson is this is why you read terms and conditions, although they drive you batshit crazy online. Because you they don't know... Gave they gave us ours on a disc and <laughs> I, I read through it and then I called my dear friend who was also my realtor and said, tell me I'm not getting fucked here. Um, <laughs> because short of an attorney, the only other person that does understand that crap is a realtor. Um, 
there's it's spooky shit in there and and even attorneys and realtors can get screwed in it yeah it's it's some pretty fucked up stuff yeah you don't know you don't know what you're doing i mean you can lose everything and have no legal recourse and you know so if language is that obtuse of course the government is going to bend it any way they want to i mean you can see now we see them having discussions about nicotine not derived from tobacco. Jeannie, yeah. Jeannie, are you with me still? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Okay. So you see these discussions about that. And yet, if you look at the documentation, that horrible, horrible thing that was the final deeming rules, you can see that they just say oh even if it's not derived from tobacco then yes we still deem it a tobacco product uh yeah even, because even potentially it, it could have a nicotine product in it so therefore it is a tobacco product even though it may not have ever ever had it and it's most likely never going to have it but it could <laughs> so it's it's still a tobacco product yeah here's my question jan Mm -hmm. Under that logic, does that make the cup holder or the console in my car a tobacco product? I don't know, but yes. I, think, <laughs> I think my phone might be one. It has a lithium-ion battery in it. And just because I haven't used it to vape doesn't mean that I couldn't add an app and then slap something on the top to use it to vape. You know, a tank or, you know, uh, an RDA, something like that on top of my phone and use it to vape. So I think that my phone should also be considered a tobacco product. And I think the FCC and the FDA need to get down to brass tacks and get that shit worked out. I, I'm a tobacco ridiculous. product. I contain nicotine. <laughs> By that logic, I think everybody on this call is a tobacco product. We are, according to the FDA. Yeah. yeah. My, my sweat is a tobacco product. <laughs> There you go. I'm not vaping that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't. Vape, I'm not going to vape that shit. <laughs> I don't care what you flavor it with. How you try to market it? No. No. I don't. But they always use the law to bend everybody to their will, and it, it really is a shame that it keeps happening over and over again. But I think, I think vaping does one thing. I think it opens people's eyes to that. You know what I mean? You go, wow, you know, look at what happened to this. We're not hurting anybody. And look at what the government's doing to us. Then you open your eyes and you look around and you go, wow, you know, it's not just us. It's like everybody. Well, we, so, we are hurting somebody. We're hurting the government because they're losing tax revenue. Exactly. Fuck the, fuck the government. Learn to balance we're, budget. We're, we're hurting the pharmaceutical to. companies because we're not sticking to the classic... Um, Smoking in our tea cycle. So, yeah. Yeah. But as for hurting the government, that's my final response. Learn to balance your budget. I have to, you know, I only yeah. get a certain amount of money. I have to eat. I have to pay all my bills. You know, I've got people depending on me that I take care of. I can't just run around and buy shit at my leisure as I wish on credit honest gov i'll pay you back next week that's not how real life works and it's time the government woke up to that 
know. You mean you don't have a printing press in your basement where you can just rip out as much money as you need? No, I also don't have a money tree, which is a shame. Because the, the shit I could do with that, man, I could fix a lot of things. Yeah. Jeannie, Jeannie any thoughts? Nope. No, I'm no. just going <laughs> to shut up. Yeah, but that's how the government. Okay. Okay, um, Margo, pick one. Well, considering that tonight is popcorn night, you know where you sit with that bucket of popcorn and watch Dip and Shit argue with each other. I'm thinking the people that are dead still voting would be apropos. Okay. <laughs> All right. So yeah. Um, I do think it's an interesting story um, because, I mean, this happens everywhere, but this was just It happens Colorado. all the time. It does. And my favorite thing is the people who say that, no, that doesn't happen all the time. Um, yes, it fucking does. It does. It does. Okay. This is from a local CBS affiliate, and this is absolutely true. CBS4 investigation finds dead voters casting ballots in Colorado. Dozens found on voting rolls long after deaths. A CBS4 investigation has found multiple cases of dead men and women voting in Colorado months and in some cases years after their deaths. A revelation that calls into question safeguards designed to prevent such occurrences. We do believe there were several instances of potential voter fraud that occurred, said Colorado Secretary of State Wayne Williams after viewing the CBS4 findings. It shows that there is the potential for fraud. <clears throat> the potential for fraud. The yeah. cases of dead men and women casting ballots ranged from El Paso County in a southern Colorado to Denver and Jefferson County. CBS4 discovered the fraudulent voting by comparing databases of voting histories in Colorado against a federal death database. The CBS4 investigation has triggered a criminal investigation in El Paso and Jefferson counties, along with a broad investigation by the Colorado Secretary of State's office. Quote, it's not a perfect system. There are some gaps, acknowledged Williams. Yes, the gap between life and death is a pretty fucking big one. One of the most glaring cases was that of Sarah Sosa in Colorado Springs. She died on October 14, 2009. However, CBS4 uncovered voting records that showed ballots cast in Sosa in 2010, 2011, 2012, and 2013. Her husband, Miguel, died on September 26, 2008. But CBS unearthed records showing that a vote was cast in his name in the next year, 2009. That's illegal, said El Paso County clerk and recorder Chuck Borman, who called the CBS4 findings very serious. I was Whoa. shocked and surprised at this, said Borman. This cannot happen. We cannot have this here or any place in our country. Our democracy depends on it. People have spilled their blood for the values and underpinnings and beliefs of, of this country. Barman, Especially if they're already dead. <laughs> Borman said after their deaths, the Sosas remained on active voter rolls and mail ballots were still sent to their homes because they did not meet the criteria to have their names deleted from eligible voter rolls. <laughs> Being Death dead does not meet the criteria. Mm. Somebody was able to cast a vote that was not theirs to cast, concluded Borman. 
CBS4 visited the Sosa Colorado Springs home and contacted their daughter, Sandra Lou so Sosa Sanchez, who refused to discuss the fraudulent balance. Go talk to someone else, said Sanchez. So it says, so is Sancha. When CBS4 was investigating voter fraud, the woman said, I don't know what that has to do with me. Voting officials have now asked the Jefferson County's district attorney to look into another dead voting case discovered by CBS4, that of Neil Cluck. Ma Cluck, as she was known, died on February 1st, 2009. However, nine months later, Cluck managed to vote in an election. I think my mom would be really unhappy about it, said her son, Jim Cluck. I think mom would be really disheartened to know someone used her name to do something that she didn't have any input into. If mom passes away nine months later, someone votes for her. That's not right. Fucking God. Yeah, thank. <laughs> A spokesperson for the Jefferson County's district attorney's office confirmed the secretary of state had recently requested a probe of the Cluck case. Then there's John Grosso of Denver, a father, grandfather, and World War II veteran who died December 13, 2004. Records show, though, that Grosso then voted at a polling place two years later in a 2006 primary election. I think that's a disgrace, said his son, John. The man is dead. He can't vote. Somebody is cheating. Administrators with the Secretary of State's office believe Grosso's vote may have been an error by an election judge. But the broader question is why Grosso and dozens of others were still listed as active voters months and sometimes years after their deaths. State voting officials say they can only delete names from voting rolls if a number of precise criteria from the death databases are met. Names must be spelled precisely right, dates of birth must be correct, and addresses must match. They say in many cases, minor errors on the voter rolls or death databases leave election officials no choice but to leave dead people registered, leading to potential fraud and mistaken votes. Out of approximately 2 million votes cast in Colorado's last election cycle, 8,000 ballots were not counted when signatures did not match. The importance of finding and weeding out fraudulent votes is underlined by the 2002 election in Colorado's 7th Congressional District. That race was decided by 121 votes out of more than 175,000 that were cast. In Ohio in 2010, a tax measure passed by just two votes. Following the CBS investigation, the Colorado Secretary of State's office reviewed the findings and confirmed at least 78 dead voters remained eligible to vote. Lynn Bartels, a spokesperson for the Secretary of State's office, said county clerks were notified and told to immediately remove those 78 names from voter rolls. Bartel says it's not clear why those dead citizens were still being listed as eligible voters. Chuck Borman said what CBS4 found undermines our system. It dilutes your vote in a small way. Williams said measures implemented in 2015 should reduce the number of dead voters casting ballots in Colorado. <laughs> Fucking God. Um, Equal rights for zombies. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Shaun of the Dead. Okay. But he noted that the CBS4 investigation inf indicates further measures might be necessary. It's not a perfect system, said Williams. It's impossible to vote from the grave legally. But if you want to cast an illegal ballot, please feel free to rise up from your fucking grave in Colorado and go cast one. Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, the, the people who say it's not it's not as big a problem as, as you know this is being made out, uh, there's actually a website for this, right? Okay. Here you go, I'm going to put it in chat. Ballotpedia.org mm -hmm. have a page on it. Dead people voting. 
And you know, it, it I do lists love... it by state, all the stories about dead people on voter rolls. Uh-huh. So, yeah, you all know it. I mean... it's, it's, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, just everywhere all the time. Yeah, that's that's not often <laughs> exactly yeah. well i mean it's not just ballotpedia i mean there there's actually not a lot you can do to really safeguard your vote no i mean between election machines being hacked and you've got of course the wonderful die bowl machines that change votes we've seen video of that which they've now to fix the problem instead of die bowl fixing the programming what Basically, individual states and municipalities have done have made it they've made it illegal for you to film yourself voting or take a picture of yourself voting. So that's how they fixed the Diebold issue. So this issue is a lot deeper than you think it is. You know, definitely be sure, you know, you're voting for your conscience, but you know, also be sure that a machine isn't fucking you over. And, and please, if, if your parents or your grandparents are, are dead, you know, please make sure that they're actually removed from the voter rolls. It, it's not fair that they get to vote from the grave. That, that really messes up the, the balance for those that are still alive. Yeah, because, I mean, your, your, your perspective on what needs to be done with social care <laughs> is completely different when you're dead. isn't quite so important if you're dead so well it depends what kind of ghost you want to be you know some ghosts quite like being transparent Uh, (laughs) so that's your government transparency so what you're saying is okay the government's basically yeah it is but but it's 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 terrible when all this vitalist type stuff comes in you know all this hate against dead people (laughs) (laughs) so what you're saying is dead lives matter yeah (laughs) i'm sorry that was in poor taste genie anything no ma'am not a thing (laughs) (laughs) come on surely you got something to say about the dead folks voting if if fucking dead people vote, we're screwed. Because you know, I mean, that means Hitler gets a vote. <laughs> Probably oh. did. Uh, you don't. I don't know if he was actually removed from the voter rolls. Did he live in Colorado? Does anybody know? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's not just Colorado, though. It it happens everywhere. I know it does. Oh yeah, look it at does. look at that link I put in. They've got it listed yeah. by state. It's every state. Yay, but it happens over a, here as well, although it's much rarer over here. <laughs> well, put it put it this way. They call it an urban legend, right? Yeah. Here. And yet every year, like every year that we've done this show, and we're going on four four years we've been doing this now, every year we do a fucking dead voter story right around the time of these elections. Not just the first year. But, I mean, even when they have just little municipal county elections, this comes up. So, it's obviously a bigger issue than anybody talks about. But, it's an urban legend. It doesn't really happen. Except Ballotpedia says, yes, dead people do vote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's not... 
lots of conspiracy theorists would have you believe it's a huge problem, but usually it is small numbers of idiots trying to use their, as you say, dead relatives' yeah. ballot paper, <laughs> mm-hmm. rather than a big organized. We are going to grab all these extra votes because. I mean, yeah, that, that's how's that going to happen? They'd have to predict who is going to be dead, <laughs> so they could intercept the mail for that person, get their voter stuff. Yeah, it's just not going to happen that way. Do you know what's sad is it actually has news feeds for each state. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I brought yeah. it up. Yeah. That's that's awesome. I didn't see that link before, but that's great. It's a conspiracy it's, it's... among the coroners. That's what it is. <laughs> the funeral directors and the coroners unite to to predict <laughs> the, who's going to run the country. That's what it is. It's, it's the coroners and the the funeral directors. It's their fault. They're the evil ones here. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I think I think it, it, why I was just trying to be a sarcastic smart. <laughs> You does know, does bring a whole new meaning oh, to voodoo politics. <laughs> well, brings new meaning to voodoo economics too. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if, if you include the amount of money that the dead people have, or well, I guess how would you count dead people's money in the economy? See, I haven't really thought about that, but they if they're voting, they have to make some contribution to the economy, right? So maybe the amount of net worth that they had at their time, their time of death, could be added to our GDP. Well, you know, the other thing too is maybe it's all because those are the same people that um, are still drawn a social security check. Ooh, that's even worse. Yeah. Yeah. That's your money, and if they're stealing your money, hard at work. If they're stealing your money and they're dead, there's a problem. <laughs> a tiny <laughs> one. Yeah, just a little one. They, they're lacking oversight and common sense, that's all. Just fix the common sense. Very pick one. Oh, uh, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. Because I might or, have to go. Can you please, 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 please talk about Jason Faulkner? Uh, is that the story about the stabbing? No, that's the uh, Crossroads Mall terrorist story. Yeah, that's that's that was the stabbing. So hang on. Okay, so Jeannie picked hers, and I got to get down to it because it's one of the last ones. Um, man who shot Crossroads Mall terrorist is USPSA competitor, three gun shooter. US. PSA shooter, three-gunner, and NRA-certified firearms instructor Jason Falconer has been identified as the man who shot at and killed a 22-year-old Somali immigrant went on a stabbing rampage inside a St. Cloud, Minnesota mall on Saturday. The apparent terrorist, who was apparently asking victims if they were Muslim before stabbing them, was enraged and engaged by Falconer inside the mall. Falconer is the president and owner of Tactical Advantage LLC, a shooting range and tactical training facility with a strong focus on arming concealed carriers. He is also a former chief of Albany Police Department, and he remains a part-time officer. But Falconer has consistently been identified in the mainstream media only as a former police chief and off-duty police officer. A knife-wielding suspect who is dressed as a private security 
person uh, made references to Allah while attacking at least nine people during a mass stabbing incident at the Crossroads Center shopping mall was shot dead by an off-duty police officer from Avon, authorities said. Jason Falconer, a former police chief of Albany, Minnesota, was shopping when he confronted the suspect. At a press conference at the police department just after noon on Sunday, St. Cloud's Mayor David Keyes said he believes Falconer prevented additional injuries and loss of life. Clearly, he is a hero. Officer Falconer was there at the right time in the right place. He said at the end, um, he said the end of the attack and the final confrontation could be seen on video from the Macy's store. Describing the video, which did not have audio, Keith said the suspect clearly had a knife in his hand and lunged at Falconer, who fired at him. The suspect fell, then got back up three times before the fatal shot. None of us ever want to do that, said St. Cloud Police Chief William Blair Anderson, but that's what we're here for, and Officer Falconer's actions were swift and direct and, in my opinion, appropriate. Eight people were treated at St. Cloud's Hospital with non-life-threatening injuries following the attack, first reported at 8.15 p.m. Saturday at the mall. Three people were admitted, according to Chris Nelson, spokesperson for the St. Cloud Hospital. By early Sunday evening, all three had been released. A ninth victim went to Long Prairie Hospital. So, uh, and this is much longer. This piece is a lot longer if you want to read the whole thing, because I only put part of it in here. But I'm sticking it in the chat for you. So, and and here's, here's the thing. Yay him. Um mm -hmm commend this man, give him the key to the city, whatever. I mean, right. just, he did a great thing. The press is being dishonest. Well, yeah, they're being dishonest. But what's even worse than that, Jan, and mm -hmm. we know this to be true, um, this, the, the, the dead stabber guy, his family can and probably will sue this guy. And they could probably win. Because, you know, he didn't kill the shooter, the stabber guy, didn't kill anybody. Everything was non-threatening. He, he wasn't, he, you know, the, the, the guy couldn't have been in fear for his life. That's, that's the most fucked up part of all of this, is the guy that shot this man dead can legally be sued and held liable for damages to this douchebag's family. That's how that's how fucked up our government and our judicial system is right now. They only want to talk about the fact that this guy is a cop because it fits their narrative. Mm -hmm. Oh. Is everybody still there? This was a police officer. You know, that's that's what they want you to think. Um, We're having connection problems, everybody. Don't know what's going on. Is it me? Uh, everybody drifted out there. I don't know what happened. Okay. okay, so what was the last thing anybody heard? If someone in chat could possibly let me know... Um, anyone the last, thing, the last I... thing i heard was Jeannie talking about how this scumbag's family was going to try and sue the guy yeah and, right. and i made the comment i wanted okay. him to be my neighbor see i didn't hear that 
So you must have drifted out. So you want him to be your neighbor. I said, yeah, I, picked, I, I want I, this. Yeah, I want the guy with a gun to be my neighbor. Well, you know what? I don't want the guy with the gun to be my neighbor. I want to be the guy with the gun. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I can do that too. <laughs> I actually don't want to be the guy. Never mind. But I want to be the one protecting myself. I don't want to have to depend on somebody else to have to do that. Um, and to have the right mindset to conceal carry. And I say concealed here because I think if you had open carry here, people would have strokes and fucking die on you. Um, to concealed carry, I think you have to have the right frame of mind to do it. Uh, and this guy obviously did. And yeah, of course, they're referring to him as a law enforcement officer because he gets exemptions for that. But but I open carry here a lot. Um, but the funny thing is, is it's always at home um, because of. The, all the poisonous snakes here and mm -hmm. the fact that you know of 4.4 acres there's probably a half of that that's not brush or trees um i very rarely go outside of the house with without a gun uh, i can't take them to work so i'm starting to get really good with a coupon and you know unfortunately because you know i work in a place that's a gun-free zone um I want to actually get a taser gun that actually shoots taser darts because, you know, we have some clearly mentally disturbed people that come into my work. Um, and I mean, those probably are people I don't need to be afraid of, but I'm acutely aware of my surroundings at all times. I don't feel safe in public. Um, maybe you, that's just did paranoia. Did you hear what Missouri's done with their concealed carry? No. You don't have to have a permit for it anymore. Everyone can carry. That's actually the way to do it. Because, if you know, an armed society is a polite society. And, and, you know and poor that? Ripple is now having nightmares of everybody <laughs> he knows carrying a gun. I, I understand Ripple's position. I don't agree with Ripple's position because mine is different than his. Mm -hmm. But I, I value his right to have that. Um, but yeah, um, poor Ripple. We, if, if Ripple listens to this replay, we have just scarred him for life. I don't think Ripple listens to me. I think Ripple and I are, are um, I think Ripple and I might be very far apart, um, politically speaking. I think I'm very far apart from most people, politically speaking. So I'm always surprised when people listen to the replays. Um, that's always a shock to me. But, you yeah. know. See, anyway. I always feel better if I'm going someplace. If I know that there's a few dozen people there that have guns, that means everybody else knows there's a few dozen people there that have guns, mm -hmm. and the odds of something going south are greatly reduced. <laughs> I, I don't think I would describe Ripple uh, just that way. Um, <clears throat> someone in chat did. But um, yes, uh, Ripple clearly leans to the left. Um, and yeah, I think the more people you have that are armed, whether you know about it or not, um, it definitely increases safety in the general vicinity they're in. You know, I'm and I to... respect the fact there's some places like you don't want people walking into a bank with guns. You don't need people going into bars with guns. Okay. But 
Yeah, but I think people that work there have... should have them. Oh, okay, I'd agree with that. Um, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I think all tellers should be armed. I think that would be yeah. fucking great. Uh, I could. I don't, and I'm going to tell you, um, knowing a lot of people I know who are bartenders, a lot of them are like art students part-time or they're part-time actors. A lot of them are not really interested in that. They think that's what the police are for. Um, I don't, since I know that it's been ruled that the court has said that the police don't have to protect me if they don't feel like it. Um, and that well, and makes me feel very count, vulnerable. The are just minutes away. Yeah, minutes for you, maybe. Try 45 minutes away. Yeah. So what's that going to do for you right now when there's an idiot in your face with a gun? Um, so <laughs> um, I wouldn't come into my house like that. I just wouldn't because... Um, I just wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, my, we've talked about this before. Um, mm -hmm. She's not in uh, a school setting anymore, but um, my one of my sisters is an administrator in mm -hmm. Colorado. And when she was actually in a, in a, um, a brick and mortar school, yeah, mm -hmm. let's call it that because she's in administration in cyber school now, but... They had active shooter drills, and they had a sign-up sheet for volunteers to do active shooter training and to be armed in the mm -hmm. school. So that, I think, was absolutely amazing. And I think that mm -hmm. on a federal level, the federal mm -hmm. government would be um, smart to... Because they always have, federal government always has these mandated teacher training bullshit where the school yeah, district yeah. has to pay the teachers to sit there all day and, and, and play on their phones while they're supposed to be listening to a webinar. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. This, this would be a really intelligent um, part of federal mandating, but, you know, it won't be. <laughs> Because guns uh, are bad. You know, but can you, and maybe it's just because I grew up some, someplace kind of rural. We learned to use rifles in school. Part of gym class was shooting clay pigeons. Is that such a strange experience for kids today? No, I was on the NRA rifle team when I was 12 years old, and we had shooting practice in the elementary school gym every day. So, I mean, that was a normal thing, because like I said, work was kind of rural, so that was a normal experience. You know, you live in farm country. You know, what are you going to teach kids? 4-H. You know, how to use a gun. Um, you know, all, also animal husbandry, all sorts of things that you need to know to survive. Home economics. Oh, holy things shit! That kids my, kid, today. my kid wants to join the the FFA down here. And we're like, sure. <laughs> so we eat. Obey. Yeah. Um. 
it, it's just amazing to me how all this has been demonized. But if you if I look at pictures from when, say, my mom went to school, you know, they were showing them how to disassemble rifles in class. At school, this was a normal thing. Um, so why, how have we gone so far from that to this is kind of my question. Well, a friend ask, of mine put up. Yeah, a friend of mine had a post put up the other day, and they were talking about how all kids should be taught how to balance a checkbook, sew on a button, check the oil in their car. You know, just common sense. You're gonna need for the rest of your life type stuff. Sure. And that it should be taught at school, and people are like, "No, that's bullshit." We're putting all this pressure on teachers, and this stuff should be taught at home. When my view on that is the reality is as a society in the United States, we come from a, a culture now where because everybody has to have the latest and greatest iPhone and a fucking iPad or the Galaxy phone or the $500 video game system, all of these parents are working and a lot of them are working well in excess of 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And they were not raised in a home that they were taught these things. Um, the the basics is something that we aren't teaching anymore and they have to be taught <laughs> somewhere. And if it can be considered a, a credit at school, then so be it. Let it be taught at school. I was raised in an era where we had a home ec teacher. We had a wood shop teacher. We had, mm -hmm. we had all this stuff. Um, yep. We had, they called it college math. And, and college math wasn't really what you and I would think of as college math because we're <laughs> automatically thinking excess of algebra and trigonometry and, and all of that. Right, right. And it wasn't that. It was balancing your checkbook, how to figure out interest and interest payments and things like that. They don't have those anymore. Um, in When I was a, a school board director in Shingle House, um, I was looking through the handbook. We were doing student handbook reviews. Mm -hmm. And do you know that, that HOMAC is now called Family Consumer Science? And one of the disciplinary infractions, yes, one of the disciplinary infractions that you could get at school was calling it HOMAC. You had to refer to this as Family Consumer Science because it was derogatory to call it home ec i'm like what the fuck how stupid is this really well You've got to i mean it's it's actually getting better there's actually some schools now that are going to find teachers for using female and female um pronouns to describe people because to them gender is fluid i'm not kidding i'm not making this up there's some suburbs of chicago that are doing it right now um, they have to use words like Zim or Zur. Uh, what? To describe a person. You can't use the terms ladies and gentlemen anymore because that does not apply. Uh, I, I think in a lot of ways um, things have drifted away from common sense. You think? Yeah. Just a little? Well, I know God. just... It's been it's been a long time since I graduated high school, and I know we were dumbed down at that point. Um, my high school history classes, and I think I've discussed this before, uh, consisted of women's studies and um, 
the aftermath of nuclear war studies. Um, these were things that I guess women's studies sort of applied to me, but I didn't learn anything about my country's founding. I, I learned about the Italian Renaissance. That was pretty interesting. Also had no bearing on me learning anything about my country. I had to learn all that after 30. And if it weren't for Tom Woods, I would know none of the things that I know now. And it's because I specifically sought that sort of education that I got it. Well, and you can even narrow down the time frame that that happened because you and I have had a conversation about this. Mm-hmm. Um, within a 10-year window, they stopped teaching Constitution when you went to school, and it was required of us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and then I know that when our son, who's going to be 29, was mm-hmm. in high school, he came home and he had some problems um, with, with a history class. And Steve sat down to work with him, and Steve got pissed. He went, what the fuck is this? They've changed the history books. Yeah. So it's happening on a regular basis, and they're dumbing down and altering reality on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, and it it sounds tinfoil hatty, but if if you... It's the truth. If you were a high school student and you raised a high school student, you can see it. I've never raised a high school student, okay? I just have a niece who is still trying to get her GED at like 22, right? She's still, she's just not a bright girl, but it it doesn't matter. Um, What the school systems here taught her was how to pass testing at the, you know, at the state level so the schools would still get funded. And that's all these kids are learning. They're not learning anything that contributes to their life or their understanding of history or where they come from or life. They're not going to be taught skills that are going to carry them through life. And that's kind of a tragedy. No, it's teaching everyone to be dependent on everyone else. And yeah, that's a whole new topic. <laughs> Good night, Miss Jeannie. Uh, Um, yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Um, so I'm not really sure what to say to that, except that, um, what I grew up knowing is not, not what is being taught now. Thank musical interlude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The schools over here are the same. The, the, yeah, as you say, the kids are now being taught how to pass tests, not how to know things. Learn? Yeah. 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 Um, one, one thing over here, it's good in one way, but obviously disastrous in others. They brought in th- continuous assessment. So, right, when I was at school, you spent the time studying your subject, whatever it was, and then... Mm-hmm. Twice a year exams, right? And it's these not days, like that now. these days, yeah, they still have the exams. But the exams are only worth, you know, like each exam is only ten percent of the total mark. Their 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 work in class uh-huh. is part of their final mark. Mm-hmm. So when you've got all the books there in front of you, and you can always get the right answer, 
that that counts towards your final mark. Not it's not uh, it's not about what you know anymore. <laughs> it's not, back back when I did exams, you had to know all the stuff so you could go yeah. into an exam room, sit down, and answer questions. That's not exactly. how they do it now. And and so they don't have to remember anything. <laughs> back if it took you three years to get through a certain level, then you spent three years at that level, and. You can't do that anymore. They've got laws that say you can only hold these kids back for one, one cycle, and that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're but, constantly I mean, behind trying to catch up. Universities here are now complaining consistently about the illiteracy of kids who have the alleged qualifications to be able to go to university who can't read, write, and critically think well enough to actually do anything at university. I work with a girl, okay? She works part-time um, where I work. She was the valedictorian of her class, her high school class. She got accepted to a university here. She had to go in for three months of intense rem- academic remedial learning because of how good the school systems are here to get into university. How long is that? But that's what's happening. And I, I think it's happening in the UK too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, um, yeah, I mean, I can't remember which uni- university it was, but they're saying it was it was about three, four years ago. They said, you know, the number of people they had to send basically to do extra work during the summer before they'd let the person come and study mm-hmm. had gone up like 200%. You know, they're like, we, we, these people on paper had the qualifications to come and do an English degree, say. Mm-hmm. But we had to send them off to learn basic grammar <laughs> before we'd be able to take them in yeah. actually do the degree. And it's yeah, like, the, yeah, I, that's wrong. <laughs> I think we can all agree the educational system definitely needs it overall. Yeah, well, the, the one in the UK, and it's commented on a lot, was and, until very recently, the number of people getting A passes in lots of subjects had risen constantly for like 30 years. So year on year, apparently, kids were getting smarter. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you personally, the age I am, I'd meet someone who's younger than me, <laughs> talk to them about a subject, and they wouldn't know anything about it. But they had a qualification yeah. in that subject. You're like, okay. Okay, but they're not dumbing down the education. Well, I've got a good example of this. I did um, higher computing science. Mm -hmm. Uh, I spent a year studying that, did the exam, passed it. I was still in the same school the following Mm -hmm. year. The following year's computing science curriculum for the same qualification had half the su- the the subject matter in it they'd literally halved the amount of stuff you had to learn but there's no drop in standards no 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 no, no. so alex made it home do you guys want to hear about alex's exciting day yes i do alex whenever you're ready and you want to come in and talk I'm I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hi, Alex. How are you? Good. How are you doing? 
Good, you came in just in time for the scintillating education discussion, I take it. <laughs> I admit I wasn't paying attention um, very much. I was uh, trying to figure out how to get things off my phone, but ah. neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your day. I am dying to hear about this. Uh, well, for those who... Uh, don't know. Uh, there was a rally in Harrisburg, uh, in the state capitol, uh, actually in the rotunda of uh, the capitol building in Harrisburg. Okay. Um, and uh, interesting uh, architectural note: um, the rotunda rotunda is actually in the center between uh, the Senate and the House. Okay. So. Um, when you're there, if you are speaking loud enough, uh, they can hear you in chambers, I believe. Um, someone, I believe, I think Bill Gottschall was up on the fifth floor of the Senate side and said he could hear uh, hear the, the, the speeches and, and the, uh, the chanting all the way up there. So um, we went and uh, made some, uh, some very organized noise today in Harrisburg. Um, it was, it was, it was a great event. It was very well organized and, uh, very well attended. Uh, we had the entire like main central staircase in the rotunda, uh, was completely filled with, okay. uh, vapor shop owners and consumers from Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, and, you know, up and around the, the balcony area, uh -huh. um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna remember everybody's name that spoke, but uh, uh, let's see, Chuck Huff, who has a yeah. Apparently, I just learned that he has a, a small online retail business in Pennsylvania. Um, John Dietz. Uh, some uh, some people might know him as Johnny Cottonseed. Um, okay. He was sort of the MC of the event. Um, uh, I spoke, and um, obviously. <laughs> um, Let's see. Paul Blair was there from Americans for Tax Reform. Uh, Greg Conley, uh, Dave Norris from Pennsylvania Safada, Pamela Gorman, the executive director of Safada, um, and uh, let's see. There was Bob Dick from the I want to say the Commonwealth Foundation. Um, they sort of keyed off on this on this tax issue uh, a few months ago. Um, so they were there. Uh, we heard from uh, Jeff Wheeland, who is the sponsor of HB 2342. Um, mm -hmm. And I think he, he kind of echoed some of some of Casas sentiments that uh, ideally there would be no tax on these products. But, um, you know, this is kind of what they have to work with right now. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again, as far as we're concerned, we are supportive of this bill because it is a step in the right direction, which is a tax reduction. Um, again, for those that may not know, uh, the law as it stands in Pennsylvania, a 40% wholesale tax goes into wholesale tax goes into effect on October 1st for mm -hmm. uh, vapor products. Um, so, uh, yeah, this moves the needle in in the right direction. Unfortunately. Um, it does not make the same kind of uh, adjustment for smokeless tobacco, mm -hmm. uh, which was also subject to this, uh, which is for the first time in the state of Pennsylvania, subject to an excise tax. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we also heard from Senator Barlada, or Barletta. Okay. Uh, I believe she is in the process of or has i'm not exactly i can't remember word for word the memo that she put out during the recess um but uh she is supportive of this change in the tax and uh i I, i'm not entirely sure don't quote me on it i thought that her memo was introducing a senate companion bill uh, to to jeff whelan's bill i could Mm -hmm. be wrong about that but in any case, um, she is a strong supporter in the Senate, which mm-hmm. uh, if there is no companion introduced, the bill will, of course, flip over to the Senate uh, before okay. going to the governor's desk. So <clears throat> um, good to know that early on, you know, from the, out of the gate, we had some support in the Senate for this. That is good. Yeah. Yeah. That, I saw your parting shot photo. Mm-hmm. That was... That was the first thing I saw today. That yeah. was an awesome sight. That was so many people. Um, that's a big turnout. Yeah, it really was. I don't even have an estimate. Uh, I'm sure that somebody that does those kind of crowd estimates, uh, but uh, yeah, it was at least a couple hundred people that came out, and um, it was. I think it was more than I expected, to be honest. Right. Um, people came from all over the state. Uh, as far as obviously, well, Bill Godchell's from around Pittsburgh, so right. uh, there were some other people from around Pittsburgh. Uh, there's a couple of people that drove up from Maryland, um, nice. and uh, yeah, it was. I mean, of course, I, Greg, and I came in from New Jersey, and Paul Blair came all the way up from DC, yeah. um, and uh, and Pamela Corman flew in from Chicago. So um, yeah, we had uh, <laughs> we had quite the gathering of people there, and uh, I'm just I'm honored to have been a part of it. Yeah, I mean, it It looked, I, I did see a few videos were posted. Um, it just looked like everybody was really well-behaved and really supportive of each other. That's great. I mean, that's just awesome. Yeah, I mean, this is how, um, you know, and I spoke to somebody afterwards about, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the kind of, you know, our feelings about demonstrations or protests. Um, and, uh, you know, the sentiment was that this, you know, what happened today in Harrisburg really is the way to do it. It's, yeah. uh, you know, there was, there were speakers lined up, uh, mm-hmm. people were, were given, uh, you know, very, uh, very kind, but strict guidance in writing signs, um, mm-hmm. that were tasteful and, and just basically stuck to the message was that, you know, these, these, we're just not going to accept this uh, overly burdensome tax that's putting people out of business and uh, taking away access to vapor products. Right. In in so many words, less words than that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was very structured and and very well organized. I think the only thing that made it, it, it that could have made it seem a little bit chaotic at the beginning was just the sheer number of people that showed up um which is is not a bad thing right um so everybody was on their best behavior we were there you have uh it's i i believe you know pennsylvania has kind of a calendar and you're Mm -hmm. on the schedule to be there for a certain time so we we weren't the only issue that was in the rotunda today um and and it's uh it seemed it was somewhat reminiscent of the, the, the rallies that I went to in, uh, in Sacramento. Um, 
and you know you have a couple of people speak you have people holding signs and standing up and the media is there uh, i believe there were several it's too bad that i'm not in the pennsylvania uh news <laughs> media market i would have loved to see what made it to the six o'clock news um but there were there were at least four it looked like pamela said she counted four major news network cameras there um and uh, i spoke to a, a young woman from uh the evening um the evening record after afterwards. Okay. Um, so she seemed very interested in the, in the, in the issue, the larger issue here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was very well covered. Uh, it was very well attended. And, uh, and I have to say uh, the backdrop of the, the Pennsylvania uh, Capitol building, the rotunda in the Capitol building is uh, it's, uh, it's, it's something to see. If you, if you live in Pennsylvania and have the opportunity to visit your capital, uh, I highly recommend it. I mean, you, you paid for it, so um, <laughs> you should yeah. you should definitely enjoy it. But it, it's very ornate and and very. Uh, it's just a, it's a nice building. Yeah. So you seem like you're really psyched. Um, I'm not gonna you know hold my breath or get right. overly optimistic about things. I mean, you know, this isn't over, but this is a great way to start this this bill's path through the legislature um the finance committee meets tomorrow mm -hmm. uh it, it sounds like there is um good support for the bill in the finance committee there are we, we just learned today i believe there's just over 60 co-sponsors um right. now this is in a in a in a uh, the house of representatives in in pennsylvania i believe there's something like 230 representatives so um, this is, you know, by no means an overwhelming majority, but, um, you know, we still have time before this bill goes to a, a, a vote in the House. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, you know, the plan is to get it passed without amendment. Um, I believe there may be some technical corrections that need to happen, but uh, other than that, no real amendments. Uh -huh. um, and, uh, you know, ideally this thing sails through the legislature and makes a, a very speedy trip to the governor's desk. Um, and so uh, there will be plenty of opportunity for follow-up and engagement uh, mm -hmm. for our members in Pennsylvania. Um, right. So yeah, that means I'm gonna be working. Uh, I, I think Julie's gonna learn how to use our advocacy program while we're on the RV, uh, <laughs> because I cannot type and drive. <laughs> <laughs> So if something pops up, she's going to get a crash course in, the, in how, to, how to set up a call to action. Oh, well, I mean, that's good. The more people that do it, it's, it's like a, like Julie always said, and the more people that know how to do something, if somebody gets run over by a bus, it just means the organization lives on. Yeah. Not that that was a cheerful thought to have by any means, but I was... Uh, yeah, was, practical. Very yeah. Practical. Yes. Might as well. Um, um, go ahead. So speaking of being in an RV for a month, um, okay. I, not to abruptly change the subject, but um, I felt there was a segue in there. Um, next Monday, I will be on the road and uh, tentatively either in San Diego or somewhere between Las Vegas and San Diego. Um, I guess the, the time difference put me... At some point, two or three o'clock in the afternoon, my time to come on the show. Or, I'm sorry, three or three or four o'clock. Oh. Um, 
but uh, hopefully, hopefully the scheduling allows and I can provide some sort of update from uh, whatever event uh, happens in Las Vegas okay. on the second. All right. That would be awesome. So yeah, going forward for the rest of the month, um, you know, if things work out, we're going to be doing the CASA update from, you're going to be hearing from me on the road. <laughs> That's great. Alex's, Alex's road tour diaries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be awesome. Are, yeah. are you excited? I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm excited to drive everybody around. I, I love driving big vehicles, so um, I'm excited to drive the RV. I'm I'm excited to spend some time with with all of these folks. You know, not kind of stuffed in a corner at a trade show. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, I'm excited to get out and meet all of these people that um, you know have been engaged in the issue, been supportive of CASA and other organizations. And um, hopefully we're gonna meet a lot of people that, that really don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. You know, that that is, the, there's a, a really strong inform the public component to this. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm excited to, I'm excited to talk to the media. I'm excited to talk to lawmakers. I'm excited to talk to your average person on the street that thinks these vaping things are weird and silly right. <laughs> um, and, and don't know anything. I'm excited to talk to vapors that don't know anything about the FDA. Um, so, I mean, there's just, there's millions of, there's millions of opportunities out there for people yeah. to become aware and engaged in this issue. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about it. <laughs> well, you're the right person for the job, Alex. <laughs> you are you are because you're excited about it and you want to do it you have genuine enthusiasm for it and it it, it shows in what you do oh, thank you thank you for everything you do for us it's my pleasure did is there anything else you want to cover this week or... i know you always feel like you're forgetting something say that yeah you know i'll probably remember something i don't um see if i get any burning notes written down here um i will say um this is something we're not publicizing a whole lot but uh for anybody who's listening um some of our members uh hopefully a large group uh, we'll be receiving, hopefully this week, a survey. Um, this is not super science type stuff. Uh, this is being used for a specific purpose. Um, there is a, an independent research group that's going to be doing this. Um, and uh, just kind of wanted to prepare anybody who's listening. Uh, this is a survey that we're participating in. And uh, your feedback is valuable. So... Uh, keep an eye out for that email and uh, okay. take some time to to complete the survey. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, since we're you know talking about Pennsylvania earlier, I might as well uh, just remind people that uh, Allegheny County Department of Health uh, is still in the process of uh, implementing a uh, 
an indoor vaping ban. And uh, uh, so anybody in Allegheny County, uh, you know, we have an active call to action an active engagement up, I believe I'll double check and make sure that's still, still running. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's, there are messages to be sent, the phone calls probably to be made. Um, and this is, you know, we managed to be alerted to this very early in the process. So um, it could be November, December before this actually gets to the county council. Um, right. But this is, uh, you still have, uh, you know, this is an excellent time to reach out to your, your county lawmakers and uh, mm -hmm. people in the Department of Health and let them know that the prohibiting vaping indoors is a bad idea. Um, and uh, with that, I think I've summed everything up. Okay. Thank you, Alex. I'm glad you had such a good day and thank you for coming on to talk with us about it. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Have a great week. You too. See you next Monday, maybe. All right. All right. Good night. Bye. Good night. It's nice to hear about Alex's exciting day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a good protest is uh, that, that goes well. That's, that's what you want to have. Yeah, which we don't generally have those too much. Margo, unmute your cell phone. Okay, um, let's see. We talked about active shooters. Anybody have another favorite in all the horrible stories I've got in here? No. Well, it could be um, easy for you. You know, there's a story underneath where you're typing. <laughs> New York. It, it, uh, yeah, no, this is actually this is actually pretty interesting because it is history. Yeah. Um, I think the reason I wanted to talk about this is because everybody thinks everybody thinks this is so new and it, it's never happened before and it's it's almost kind of like people have forgotten that this has happened before okay this is called the year hundreds of bombs went off in new york city why bombing in new york city wasn't always rare on saturday a bomb exploded in the chelsea neighborhood of manhattan injuring dozens and for a moment upsetting the peace but otherwise pleasant new york city night the bombing seemed familiar yet another attempt since 9-11 to sow fear and chaos in the city, apparently perpetrated by an amateur with ties to Islamic terrorism. But in the broader scope of time, the Chelsea bombing might just be a blip. That's because New York City has been bombed hundreds, if not thousands of times, since the beginning of its existence. One 18-month stretch between 1969 and 1970 saw 370 bombings alone, and those carried out by the Islamic terrorists number in the single digits. The rest came from people, most of them white, with other motivations. Whether it was anarchists, which I object to that term used in this way, uh, bombing Wall Street in an attack on J.P. Morgan, or bombs made by the Weather Underground, or George Chesky, who was known as the Mad Bomber and eluded authorities for years. There are also Puerto Rican nationalists who bombed the city 49 times in the 1970s. The bombing of the communist daily worker in 1940 as tensions rose amid World War II, and of course, mobsters like some fur merchants who bombed their competitors in the 1930s. Things, these things 
invariably come back to New York, said then Mayor Michael Bloomberg, after the attempted car bombing of Times Square in 2010. Bombing New York City, in other words, is not terribly original, nor has it been in its long history particularly effective. The deadliest case, in fact, is one of the oldest, the Wall Street bombing, which killed 38, in addition to a horse. <laughs> so killed 38 people and one horse 96 years ago. That attack featured a horse-drawn carriage laden with 500 pounds of small weight and an untold amount of dynamite, which exploded just after noon on September 16, 1920, in front of the offices of J.P. Morgan & Company. No one was ever arrested, though authorities suspected Italian anarchists were behind the attack, which, in any event, was quickly forgotten. That was perhaps because by 1920, bombs were already a regular feature of life in New York City. One that blew up in Spanish Harlem in 1914 was said to be intended for John D. Rockefeller. Five years after that, someone placed a bomb in the home of a judge. A year later, Wall Street exploded, continuing a drumbeat of violence that by the late 1930s had New Yorkers receiving hundreds of bomb threats a week, in addition to the bombs themselves. Many, like the one at the Communist Daily News, were thought to be politically motivated. Others, like a bomb found at the British Pavilion in the 1940s World Fair, were surrounded by considerably more intrigue. Was it placed there by the British themselves, perhaps as a way to push the U.S. into war? No one knows, though two members of the NYPD's bomb squad died trying to defuse it, saving an untold number of lives. Just a few months later, in November 1940, the city had its first encounter with a bomber who would haunt them for years. George Metzke, a disgruntled former Con Ed employee who left pipe bombs at a company building along with the note Con Edison Crooks, this is for you. A similar bomb appeared some months later before Metzke decided to pause because of World War II. I will make no more bomb units for the duration of the war, Metzke wrote police. My patriotic feelings have made me decide this. True to his word, Metzke didn't resume bombing until 1951, when he captivated the media with a string of bombings over several years, many at city landmarks like Grand Central Terminal, the New York City Library, and the Radio City Music Hall, some 33 in total, which never killed anyone, but for a time set the city on edge. But it was Metzke's chatty relationship with the New York Journal American that eventually did him in. He was arrested in 1957, declared legally insane, and spent nearly 16 years in an upstate mental institution. Twelve years after Metzke's arrest, Sam Melville, an anti-war radical inspired in part by Metzke, took to bombing the city, though this time for ostensibly political reasons. Eight bombings shook Manhattan in 1969 at seemingly random places, each carrying its own political message for the newspapers. Melville was later arrested after trying to place some dynamite on an army truck. He was sentenced to prison three months after three members of the Weather Underground died after a bomb they were working on exploded in Greenwich Village. Bombs are back, police commissioner told Howard, Howard R. Leary told a Senate committee foreshadowing Bloomberg's comments 40 years later, according to the New York Times. Bombing has reached gigantic proportions. Later, in the 1970s and 80s, bombing New York City became a bit more systematic. The main actors being the Puerto Rican nationalist group FLAN, the Jewish Defense League, and Croatian terrorists, with FLAN's bombs by far the deadliest. They are suspected in or tied to at least 49 different bombings in New York alone, including a 1975 explosive at the historic Francis Tavern, which killed four, the December 1975 bombing of LaGuardia Airport, which killed 11, and a deadly 1981 bomb at JFK Airport, which had followed two 1980 explosions in Penn Stations. The JDL, meanwhile, 
is suspected in or to a 1971 bomb outside of Air Foods NYC offices, a fatal explosion inside the offices of a local impresario, a pipe bomb outside a Polish consulate in 1976, and five other pipe bombs near the United Nations building. That same year, a police officer died at Grand Central Station trying to defuse a bomb left by Croatian terrorists. Four years later, more Croatian terrorists bombed the Statue of Liberty. And then, around 1983, the bombings in New York slowed to a trickle. There was the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, which killed six, the 2008 Times Square bombing, which killed no one, and Saturday's attack, three in about 20 years' time, down from an age not too long ago, where you could reasonably expect three just this week. Melville died in the Attica prison riots in 1971, having been one of its chief planners, but then his girlfriend and co-conspirator, the swarthmore-educated Jane Alpert, is still alive. These days, she's spending her time on Twitter with a bio as benign as your mom's, strategies and writings for non-profits. MPA from NYU, reads ancient Greek, former 1960s radical, lives in Soho and Adirondacks, swims and does Berkham yoga. I just thought that was an interesting bit of history. Yeah. Everybody, everybody thinks terrorism's a new thing. It really yeah. isn't. Yeah. It really isn't. And it's something people live with, right? It happens, the city wakes up, or the place it happens wakes up, and you either wake up determined to go on with your life, or you wake up huddled in fear. Um, New York City had always seemed to me to go bravely forth. I would like to think the rest of the country would do the same. But, you know, maybe not. Um, it also shows these people who who are trying to um, convince everyone that all terrorism is down to Islam. Yeah. No. Apart not. from the mentioned very, very recent bombs in New York, none of those bombs in history were Islamic. <laughs> it's, no. No, some were crazy thing. people, some were other terrorists from other countries i mean i think i think it's mostly that's a new development yeah it's just the current terrorists are predominantly islamic and then maybe in 40 years time there'll be some christian fundamentalists Mm -hmm. doing something crazy uh well okay doing something more violently crazy um crazier yeah i mean it just is um I think when people feel oppressed, and I'm not, please don't think I'm, I'm saying people that people that bomb shit feel oppressed. I'm saying I think that when people feel oppressed, um, they think this is a way to do things. I, I don't. I'm all about, you know, non-aggression. I don't, I don't want people to be aggressive to me. I don't want to be aggressive to anyone else. Um, but if you start shit with me, I'm going to end it. Uh, it's kind of how I live my life. And I think most people interact with other people in that way. Uh, I don't know what causes someone to think, hey, you know, that's a big building. We should bomb it. Um, uh, although, I guess I understand the motivation for blowing up the credit bureaus and Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> although I don't know if it would actually do much good. I don't um, think it would do very much at all, really. 
Well, everything's computer-based now, so unless you take the whole computer system offline, you've got no shot at a reset, unfortunately. There's that. Um, but yeah, that is just the way of things. Is Margo still with us? Or did Margo wander off? It's still saying she's with us. Yeah, okay. But she might have... She might have gone off to do something, but you're breaking up very slightly. Am I? Okay. Um, yeah, the, the whole of that story, you get just a touch of... Oh. I can't hear you, Margo. No. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead um, and come back in again. <laughs> the classic. I, yeah, I think that happens a lot with this thing sometimes. I, I, when Alex first came on, did anybody else hear him breaking up? A little bit. A little? <laughs> I got I got like I got like every third word from Alex. Ah well you like, see, um, we're all on different internet connections. So yeah, it can break up completely differently for each of us. Ah. Which is why some people end up getting dropped out and other people don't. Yeah. Um But yeah. usually it's fairly stable. I can hear everybody else. I don't know what the rest of you hear. <laughs> as long as I can hear the output to the audience is going okay, that's yeah, okay. that's what I concentrate on. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's a good thing. Um, Margo, thoughts on people that bomb shit? She's not back in yet. <laughs> She's not back in yet. All right. According to what I can see anyway. But... Yeah. Oh, here she comes. There she is. Hey. You're here? I think I am. Oh, yeah, her connection's yeah. bad. Yeah, I can hear you breaking up a little bit, but I can hear you. Um, did you hear the last story? Yeah. But I'm, like, really lost on why I'm not seeing stuff on the screen. Uh, which screen? Discord. Uh, I, I don't know. Let's try this. Can you see that? No. The middle no. of it says no one's around to play with Wumpus. <laughs> ah, right. Um, go down to click on V. Yeah. Click on the V. Um. So yeah. Um. Sorry, guys. This is like. Okay. Can you see it now? Technical errors. Technical <laughs> error. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I did hear the other story, and it's the same shit, different day. Um, there's always been crazy shit going on, and it's just what group of crazies are doing it. Yeah, exactly. Which is just kind of how things are. Oh my god, what the hell? Um, that's interesting. So, hang on. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. Um, yeah, it is. It's the same shit, different day. And it's just, you are either going to live in fear or you're not going to live in fear. And choose not to live in fear. And you I know, think that's I say the we, way to go. Uh, people my age and older in the UK have a very uh, calm attitude about it all. Because, I mean, I grew up at the tail end of the, the Northern Ireland Troubles. So, when I was growing up, it, 
it was a very quiet week if you didn't have a bomb going off somewhere. Yeah, Steve yeah. had mentioned something about the IRA. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't. <laughs> there, there's a. I have a really interesting ethnic background. Um, I'm part Native American, part Irish, and part Scandinavian. So that's really, it's it's an interesting mix. Anyway, um, so on the Irish side of my family, I think my mother did this shit on purpose, just. Because you know trolling, although I guess you didn't call it back then. Trolling back then, uh, I was the first child in my family to be baptized Protestant. <laughs> 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 that did not really go over well with the old world Catholics, and I think my mother did that shit on purpose. So I don't have a lot. Yeah, I, a Irish lot Catholics of... think they are the only Catholic. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are the most Catholic of Catholics. Yes. Oh yeah. Yep. 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 So yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's proven by the well, fact that it was up until incredibly recently that abortion was still completely illegal in Ireland, mm -hmm. and it was yep. on religious grounds. It was nothing to do with anything scientific. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of like going to Rome. That's that's a whole other world there. I mean that's an actual theocracy, yeah. um, and and all their laws and and their policing are all carried out by the church, which is just fucking mind-boggling to me because we have some sort of separation here, where you don't have it there. It's just that's got to be a strange system. Um, but I guess not if you've grown up under it. You're probably really used to it. Well, but isn't it just like in the Vatican, and that was something that Italy wound up giving them after they kicked their ass? <laughs> mm -hmm. I yeah, so. I mean the yeah, I mean the popes used to have a large standing army. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they used to own Italy, and yeah, things. See, this little <laughs> Catholic girl's done some homework on how corrupt her church used to be. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know, I'm not going to lie to you, um, even though I was baptized Protestant, I mean, I, I grew up and I became a Buddhist, so, <laughs> yeah, um, I was I'm baptized. pretty much going to hell. I was baptized, and I'm always surprised I don't burst into flames every time I go near a church. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, but, um, if I go to hell, at least I know I'll have good company. At least you'll be there with me, Barry. And, uh, no, I won't, because, yeah, I, I am non-religious. <laughs> I don't believe in in Christianity as such. So, consequently, uh, I can't go to hell, because it's not real. Yeah. I I know that. I know it's an abstract concept <laughs> of the mind. It was a joke. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that morning star chap, I mean, he's, he's all right, but, you know, he's a bit of a slow learner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it, it depends on how you read the story, or it, at least how you read the story of the fall. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I didn't think we were going to go here, but why not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Uh, we talk about things Let's here. Talk they about tell Dante. <laughs> you want to talk about Dante's Inferno? Oh, God, I'm going to polish up on that. It's been a few years since I've read it. <laughs> Although I keep saying work is like the fourth circle of hell, so um, only the fourth. Well, you're doing quite well. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, but each year it gets a little bit worse. You you descend a little further into hell. So, but you know, it's holding steady at four so far. Um, you know, <laughs> but it is a right to work state, so you don't know what's going to happen next. Um, yeah, I didn't want to actually talk about Dante's Inferno, but um. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I just thought since we're doing this religious thing, uh, we can talk about the Borgias. Uh, the Borgias. Oh, that was, God. That, that was a nice thing. <laughs> yeah, lovely, clean-living Catholic family. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, living right along. <laughs> and we, we, could, we could actually do a show on religion, although that would be, that would be interesting. Um, actually always wanted to study comparative religion in college but i never got the chance to i think that would have been really interesting it's a very very uh intense subject shall we say well yeah yeah but i'm not i don't you know how i say like when it comes to politics like i can slam donald trump as easily as i can slam hillary clinton um i don't have a problem slamming either one it's because i don't have a horse in the race I think comparative religion would be really interesting for me because Buddhism, technically speaking, is not a religion no. as much as it is a philosophy. Right. Well, I was going to say the better way to actually st is not to study comparative religion. The best way is to find a proper, decent philosophy course because any decent philosophy course is going to give you all the comparative religion stuff. Religions. Right, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. It's like 818. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess we could go back to the show or we could just keep talking. It's up to you. Sure, I mean, sure. Keep oh, telling you that. <laughs> exactly. I know. I, I don't. I uh, Hang on. Let me see. What did I promote earlier? Um, yeah. Um, so people were saddened to learn today from me that... Um, Ken Pumpkin does not exist. <laughs> you know that, right? I've known there shit a lot about of, a catering lot. for years that most people would be horrified by. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know. It's, um... Potato pie, you know. Oh, I like sweet potato pie. I like I sweet, potato pie. sweet potato pie. Sweet potato pie is a lot firmer. It holds up better. It's just, it's really good. I like it. Um, Yummers. I yeah no I would I would not not in that way but I can I can just talk about either Clinton or Trump it doesn't matter to me um, I don't like either one I'm very happy that I'm here right now not having because I don't really drink but if I were going to watch the debates I would I do have um, a bottle of mudslide in the fridge that I would have to um, finish to watch that. I, I think we to watch any political debates, these. The TV. I just I don't do TV, but mm. you know I watch politics all the time for its its circus-like atmosphere. I really like C-SPAN. Well, Shut for, up. <laughs> for for this debate, I think the very least you'd need would be at least mescal. Um, I, you know, maybe, I don't think weaker tobacco would help. Um, you know, uh, maybe uh, mescaline, maybe DMT. Um, 
<laughs> maybe mushrooms at the very least to watch this. I don't I don't uh, think anybody could watch that debate sane. I don't know. Well, I, I mentioned it before. Hmm? Ever clear and brownies. Ah, <laughs> uh, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, Everclear is kind of one of the really good liquors because it just picks up the taste of whatever you're doing with it. Yeah, I don't really drink anymore, but I used to. Um, so yeah, Everclear is very good for that. Um, used to buy that and get really, really, you know. And I think they call it the same everywhere. Did they call those gallons of cheap, disgusting colored drink that the grocery store sells? Did they call that belly wash where you live too? Okay. Um, no. That's, that's what it's called locally here. And wherever I've lived, it's always been called belly wash, which I don't know why, because I think it would probably dye your stomach a bunch of disgusting colors. But um, yeah, you could mix it with that and you never knew you were really drinking I mean, you knew because it had a little burn, but not really. Go ahead. We used to take watermelons and cut a, a circle out, oh, about the size of a small orange. Mm -hmm. And then you take a knife and just mutilate the inside. And then you'd dump a fifth Everclear in it and put it in a nice chest and let it sit for about eight hours. And then you had some really good watermelon. Now, Very, don't you have a, a method for making rum? Oh yeah, 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 coconut. You can get a fresh coconut. <laughs> you carefully cut a hole in it and keep the bit you've cut out. Uh, empty out the um, coconut water. Stuff it full of demerara sugar. The, the bit you cut out, stick back in. Seal it with wax. Stick it somewhere warm for a couple of months. Coconut rum. Yay. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's really, are. really technically difficult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I think people just don't know that you can. Well, I mean, everything's pretty much fermentable. Yeah. yeah. Any of the fruit juices can will naturally ferment in in warmth because they've all got enzymes in them. You don't need yeast or anything fancy. You just need to leave them warm and but cut off from oxygen is the important bit. Right. Because if it gets oxygen, it's it's rotting rather than fermenting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. One time years ago, I tried to make elderberry wine. Mm -hmm. And a guy that had made it was showing me how. And I had my jugs and I had the cheesecloth over it and the lid. And every day you loosen the cap just a little bit more unless you forget <laughs> then you wind up with this huge explosion <laughs> and there's stuff everywhere and your house smells mm. so yeah um if you're gonna try that stuff do it outside of your home and um, use use cork to bottles yeah, and my babysitter not freaked off. out when it happened <laughs> yeah but yeah, I, I've had friends who tried to make beer at home and use screw-top bottles. Doesn't oh, go well. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. No. You, 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 no. Have a, it's got to be a cork. It's got to allow yeah. a bit of breathe, breathing. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yikes. Uh, yeah, I was actually going to say, uh, the only... Because I don't know really anything about beer brewing, but... Um, Will Wheaton has some really interesting stuff on his blog about that. 
Yes, I read Will Wheaton's blog. No, um, not because I'm interested in his fucking politics, but mostly because of the gaming stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I actually like, and I don't know if it's still in production, he used to do a show that was broadcast on YouTube where he and his friends would get together and play board games, which sounds boring as shit, but it's actually fun as hell to watch. Um, much more fun than being involved in a board game here by myself because nobody in this house will play them. <laughs> Although what I'm actually dying to try is uh, Cards Against Humanity. That looks fun. I'm guessing nobody has ever played it. That, that's not anything I, I know of. Yeah. Um, I, I do I do different gaming, as you know, at the moment. So, yeah. yeah. Well, um, the reason I want to play... I did recently score a couple of decks of cards. <sighs> cards Against Humanity... <laughs> cards Against Humanity looks like fun um, for a, a couple of reasons. Um, it's just ridiculous. Um, and... Uh, the only other game I really want to try is a game called Exploding Kittens. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jeannie has played Cards Against Humanity. I think this is something that's happened at uh, like VaporCon and stuff. Probably. Yeah. I've never played it, but it looks like fun. And they have, a companion, they have a companion deck called Cats Against Humanity. <laughs> which also sounds fun. I guess you shuffle it into one of the other decks and I don't know. But yeah, um, that and Exploding Kittens are the only card games I really want to play anymore. Um, and I think this week I'm actually going to go see the movie Snowden. All right. Uh, <laughs> who just thought just... you'd want to go and see that? <laughs> I know. Yeah. No one who knows me would think I would want to go see that. I'm, I'm so admit, surprised. I'm kind of disappointed, though, that Oliver Stone's the one who did it. He, um, I don't yeah, know. he always puts huge spin on anything he does. Yeah. Mhm. Mm he does. I mean, you know, uh Nixon? Did anybody see the movie Nixon? Yes. Yes. A bunch of revisionist history in there. Yeah. Yes. Um yeah. So, you know, I I really have a very hard time believing the picture that he paints. So, hopefully this is a little closer to reality and since the person seems to be alive <laughs> that the film's about it might be yeah be good so. but yes all, all of oliver stone he's kind of trying to be like the walter scott of any subject that sir walter scott because if anybody doesn't know <laughs> sir walter scott is the guy who romanticized scottish history uh -huh. made it all pretty and we were this great nation when we're just a bunch of assholes like everybody else um, <laughs> but Walter Scott wanted us Scotland to have this pretty nice romantic history right. and you know Robert the Gruce was this fantastic king and Wallace was this wonderful freedom fighter not <laughs> that one was a psychopath and the other one was a paid mercenary no he didn't want to go there yeah. but Oliver well, Stone did similar to does stuff <laughs> hmm? that, that doesn't really matter <laughs> You have cool castles and ruins. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, everybody well. had castles back then. Every lord had his castle. Uh, <laughs> and Oliver Cromwell went round the UK dismantling as many as he could. Um, <laughs> why they're now in ruins. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's... Haven't you kind of told me before, too, that you'll be driving somewhere in the United Kingdom and all of a sudden the road takes a gigantic detour because there's just a fucking castle in the middle somewhere? Oh, yeah, yeah, we have that stuff all the time. I mean, if you look at uh, aerial photos of Stonehenge, mm-hmm. the main road runs right next to it. <laughs> it's one of the oldest <laughs> places in human civilization. The fucking road <laughs> next to it. Because they just built the road in as straight a line as they could. Oh, there's that ancient monument there. Ah, pff, nobody cares about that. <laughs> and now they're talking about having to put the road in, in a tunnel uh, or something. So that because... you know, it's not ruining people's view of the monument. <laughs> I was going to say I was surprised um, that they weren't talking about the um, the pollution doing something to the monument from the cars. It's made out. Of, it's they're they're made out of mainly granites, so <laughs> pollution's not really going to do much to those. <laughs> so I posted a story like a couple weeks ago on my Facebook page about all the. Is it the Washington Monument? Yeah. Oh, the slime. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody posted a picture of how it looks now. The whole thing is just covered in this black slime. They're still not able to get it off. And they're calling it like a a biofilm. And they've tried bleach and a whole bunch of other stuff on it. And uh, they don't know whether it's protecting the monument or eating it. So that's pretty interesting. I don't know. I'm, um,. I'm glad my job isn't to scrub that thing down. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, the, um, the last time I was in Italy, I was visiting Venice. Mm-hmm. And one of the things there, you know, one of, in the St. Peter's, where St. Peter's is, right? Um, okay. Well, where the Basilica is. Yes. All, all these old buildings. And, you know, when you first arrive, you, you didn't realize, but you soon figure out, Hang on, that's not actually the building. Because what they've done is, it's in scaffolding because they're cleaning the stonework. Right. But over the front of it, they've put a mesh screen where they've printed basically uh, a one-to-one photo of the building. (laughs) (laughs) So you can still look at the building, but it's not actually the building. It's like... um, Venice is interesting, though, because they've got that famous clock tower in that Mm -hmm. square. And there's, oh, what a wonderful old monument. No, it isn't. <laughs> it <laughs> fell down in an earthquake. I can't remember when. And they basically okay. rebuilt it. <laughs> it's not original. It's it's basically, ah, oh, crap, it fell down. Okay, we'll put it back up again. <laughs> you know, you see all those gondola tours uh, in Italy and, and Venice, and everybody thinks they're so wonderful. I don't think people really realize what those canals are. Are they still but using they them? for? though, in it. The, there is still a fair amount of effluent in them, but it's not the human stuff you got to worry about. The, the where where Venice is, there's lots of there's rivers flowing to the lagoon, uh-huh. um, which aren't right next to Venice, but they're dumping their water in there, and there's loads of heavy industry. And the huge problem they had most most of what was causing the bad smells wasn't the human waste; it was the industrial waste. It has been cleaned up a bit, but when I was there, it wasn't. I was there in August, so you oh. know, hottest time of the year. 
Right. And it wasn't nearly as bad as all these people make out. I mean, I, I wasn't well, wondering about gagging on a smell or anything. <laughs> that I was the height of, of summer, so, yeah. Well, I mean, I think people make more out of it than it is because, I mean, I, I don't know how it is where you are, but I know here a lot of places, a lot of workplaces have scent bans now. Well, when, when I used to work, when I was in restaurants, mm -hmm. I instituted a scent ban on my stuff. <laughs> so, well, it's no, like you're no, handling I mean, food. Stop smelling of stuff. Right. Right. No, no. But not not just cologne. Like your shampoo, your deodorant, everything. All that stuff has to be unscented. Yeah. Which, um, that's... I'd agree in a food premises, but anywhere else it's a bit extreme. Mm, well, um, that's the way a lot of places are going here. Margo, yeah. were you... Uh, yeah, no, were you're you absolutely right. I, I actually happen to know of a pharmacist that went in where I worked after I left, and I guess this guy started slamming everybody. He actually went so far as to buy them unscented lotion and unscented deodorant and told them this was what they had to use because he was allergic to everything else. And it's like, no, did you ever smell his wife? Uh no, he, he just, it's, he drowns at home and he doesn't want to at work, which is what was going on. Right. And, well, I was going to say, yeah. because logically, if your allergies were that bad, chemist is not the job you want to be doing. Yeah, no, definitely not, not the best place for him to be. Um, but, you know, some of, and Jan, you'll know what I'm talking about, some of those really old perfumes should be have fallen off the face of the earth a billion years ago right. um it's like one squirt and you can smell it five miles away mm -hmm. uh so i you know instead of being honest with people i'm going you know i'm sick when i'm home i don't want to be here uh yeah so yeah i don't know no, i i do understand some of it um some people genuinely have legitimate allergies but and a lot of people themselves in it too is there's another issue it's like you can't take a bath and a gallon of the stuff and then go around people all the time yeah well i mean there are legitimate reasons for not drowning yourself in scent hunting is definitely one of them yeah um but it a lot of places are instituting these bands for the same reason have you ever gotten on a, a plane with someone allergic to peanuts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have. Do you know no. what fun that is? They don't pass out oh peanuts God. and they, they tell you not to eat anything containing peanuts because you could breathe vapors. Swear to God, that will make this person sick. Yeah, and because an airplane is such yeah. as a closed environment, they don't want somebody going into anaphylactic shock. Whoa. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like that. It's a legitimate reason, but kind of taken to a form that feels very extreme. Cat, yeah. I mean, yeah, cat, cat Airlines just have like a special seat on each plane that can have like a little plastic sides come down and that person gets their own air supply. Oh my God, speaking, easier, of little, yeah. speaking of little plastic sides, you want to see something screwed up? Let me see if I can find it. Um... I saw something last week because I read a lot of stories about um, 
nicotine, tobacco, and stuff. I'm trying to actually spot where bands are cropping up. There's usually a pattern of media stories that'll that'll make it self. You'll become aware of it if you read enough of these stories. So. Uh, I was reading a story last week, and it was from a science journal for kids. Which, you know, please don't ask me why. <laughs> but one of the more interesting things I saw in this article was they have a way that they test for skin absorption of nicotine. Do you know how they do that? I saw it, but I can't remember. No, they they have a smoking machine going smoking pretty much the whole time. And they take and they drop this plastic hood type thing over a person's body except for the skin they want to be exposed. And they expose that to a ridiculous amount of, you know, smoke. But they, they put them in kind of a bubble and that's how they study that. And it, it really was one of the more interesting things I've seen. And now, of course, I can't find the fucking story. <laughs> but it, it is interesting that that's how they study skin absorption of nicotine. That's how, you know, people like fucking glance go on and on about, um, you know, second and third hand smoke. This is how they study for that. Which, I mean, who knew? I didn't even know there was a way you could study for that. But no, no, no. This, this sort of thing's been done with lots of chemicals. Uh, the the exposure chambers, yeah, I, I believe certain Germans in, in a certain time <laughs> period used them quite extensively uh, to yes, test right? things. Yeah. Well, I know we take we take our elderly, our obese, our sick are people with heart disease and then we put them in university chambers and the CDC pumps in fucking diesel exhaust. But that's okay, even though it's exposure to particles that they claim will kill them. That's okay. I think yeah. I've talked about that before, haven't I? PM 2.5, the studies they were doing, the illegal scientific experiments yeah. on people. Yeah. 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 I just find it odd that that was okay. Like, even though they said that could kill somebody, it was found to be okay by the IRB. You know what an IRB is. The the people that study when you test stuff on humans, what's ethical and what's not. Right. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that they were down with the government doing that. <laughs> I find it surprising. Look at the source. Look at the source. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um, so, yeah. I Does anybody have anything else they want to talk about tonight? or Not really, no. No? You feel okay. like ending it? You feel like ending it? We did a lot. Yeah, we did. Um... Unless you want to talk about the Russian lady with the Pokemon Go monster, but I mean, we talked about that in the beginning. There's, 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 there's... I think we basically covered that. You know? Yeah, there's no way to go back over that and make it look good. So, yeah. Oh, um, I did want to say I just started listening to the Bad Quaker podcast. That's actually pretty good if you can find it online. Um, that's interesting stuff. Mostly political. Uh, some people find it interesting, some won't. 
Um, and I guess that's about it for this evening. Um, advert and song. Advert and song. We did good. Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. Amoseek.com. Thanks for listening, you guys. See you next week.